I'm Dan Panoshin, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> And we're off. Off to the weekly 11 o'clock comics races. Who's in the lead? Seabiscuit? <laughs> Secretariat? Sugarfoot. Trigger. Silver. Yeah, I like silver. That was one of the questions the other night on um, America Says. Name a famous horse. Uh, doesn't have to be real. And the answers were Seabiscuit, Trigger. They didn't get, uh, no, uh, Silver was in there. They didn't get Silver. It was Seabiscuit, I think, Secretariat, and, and they, Silver, and they didn't get it. That was the one that stuck them up. Dang, yo. Yeah, but we're not going to trip you up because this is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 769. Mm. And I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Yes, you are. on everyone's favorite private detective, Sam Dunes. <laughs> You're not. You are not Sam Dunes. You're Jason Wood. All together on this laid back and breezy episode. We're going to have some fun this time around. Lucy Goosey. Yes. And as usual, this episode is sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. Here are the specials. From Boom, Cursed Pirate Girl, Devil's Cave, number one, by Jeremy Bastion. Cover price is $9.99, but it's an oversized issue, and it is just packed to the gills with line work. I mean, if you've seen Jeremy's work, you know, very, very line-intensive, very detailed. Um, each page, you can linger for a long time. I love his work. Uh, like I said, nine ninety nine cover price, but you will pay four ninety nine at DCBS. That's 50% off. From Bad Kids Press, it's Frankenrocker and the Jailbait Punks. I love trash and I love sleaze, and this seems like it's right up my alley. Art by Lucas Kowalczyk and written by Roel Torres. $4.99 cover price. You save 50% because you're going to get it for $2.49. And last but certainly not least, it's the return, hopefully not the last issue, of the famous EC fanzine, Squatrant. This is number 14. Cover price sixteen ninety nine, and when you hear all of the stuff in here, this issue includes unpublished interviews with Gene Colan and Russ Heath. That alone should be enough. You should hear that sentence and say, "I must own this." But it also has an illustrated critical study of Atlas's Kurtzman-inspired war comics, a Kurtzman remembrance by R. O. Blechman. An astounding reprint of the Hartford Courant's campaign against salacious and depraved comics. My favorite kind. A 12-page spread of Jack Davis's Coca-Cola advertising images and much more. Like, that's insane. If you're a, a historian or, or an archivist, you need this book. And it's EC, so you can't go wrong anywhere. Sixteen ninety-nine cover price. You can have it for $12.74. 
I know it's only 25% off, but it's EC and it's Fantagraphics and you need it. So go to Discount Comic Book Service and check out the list that is up now and decide for yourself. DCBService.com. There you go. Love it. Yeah. I still have the bottle of prophecy left. Mm. Yeah, so it's Prophecy uh, Cabernet Sauvignon uh, 2018, and it has the Emperor on the front, uh, the Tarot Emperor. That's what I'm having my students do this week. The project is, a tarot card? is re- tarot re- redesign a tarot card, yeah. Neat. Nice. Yeah, and nobody can do the fool, because that's mine. Oh, everybody gets a card? Well, they I pick. thought they were doing the whole deck. I, no, 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 not the whole deck. My goodness, no. Well, they, I mean, like, yeah, like, okay, all right. They, they get to pick um, their favorite card, the card that most uh, typifies their personality. And I said, you can't have the fool because that's mine. Any other one, fair game. Hands off the fool. So that's what we're doing. Love it. Yeah. That's great. What are you I am drinking from the wonderful little uh, vintner called Aha. I'm drinking some blueberry and pomegranate seltzer. Fresh from the vine. Right. Fresh squoze. This is a shout out to um, our boy, Hassan. I am enjoying some uh, Suntory whiskey, Toki. From the House of Suntory Whiskey, established 1923, Japanese whiskey, 86 proof. And uh, it's not as um, strong as some of the other whiskeys that I tend to drink. It doesn't have the the spice kick. It, it's, um, it's a little bit, it's not sweet, but but there's, there's uh, you know, pun intended, a bit of honey there. So it's... Um, it's tasty is what I'm saying. Anytime I hear Suntory, I, I think of Lost in Translation. Yeah, because uh, Bill Murray's character, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's in Japan doing a commercial for Suntory. But but I just, I love that film. That is that is very yeah, high up on my list of films. I've seen it in its entirety, but I, wow. I, I, know, I know people I, I care for deeply. Love it. ScarJo was like 17 when she made that movie. You're a dirty man. Oh, it's, it's wow. uh, Have you uh, seen it, Vince? Kevin. Have you seen it? Uh no, 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 no. The whole premise is she's there, um, with her beau Giovanni Ribisi. They're newlyweds, and uh, he's a Rolling Stone photographer. So he's got to follow a band around. So she's bored out of her mind in this gorgeous uh, Tokyo hotel completely alone and not knowing what to do. And Bill Murray is an aging star uh, who is now at the point of his career where he needs to do gigs like go to Japan and do commercials for Suntory because he's not, uh, you know, he's not hot stuff anymore, but he's still rich and famous. And uh, they become like unexpected friends and uh, spend the week doing shenanigans together. It's, uh, it's beautiful. Is that a uh, is it a Spike Jones joint or is it Sophia Coppola? Sophia Coppola's first okay. first direct her direct her directorial debut. 
So I love that film. I've seen it many times. Nice. Nice. Let's talk about the comics, huh? Oh, no, wait. Uh, I was wrong. Sorry. Virgin Suicides was her directorial debut. This was her second film. But anyway. That's okay. Yeah. You, you just get nudged to the left a little bit. It's all right. Yep. It happens. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do something a little different, maybe a little weird tonight. And I guess I got to set it up where it came from because I just, last night out of the blue, I shot a uh, an idea at the boys through the Slack. And it's like, how about we do this? And I didn't back it up with because. I just said, how about we do this? But the, the reason why I came up with this idea was because... Um, my daughter, Mia, and I spend an inordinate amount of time on YouTube watching a, a very particular series of videos. And uh, what these videos contain, uh, I won't say because then I'll reveal my first choice, but it, it's, a, it's a shared universe. And I thought, I want to know more about this. Because the mythology of this thing is very, very deep. I want to know more. I went on Amazon. I did a search. And there was a couple art books and a couple of prose novels. But there wasn't any comics. And I was like, are you kidding me? Because this, this concept is pleading for comics. And then I was thinking, well, there's a lot of things that are just, in my mind, that are just begging to be adapted into the sequential art. So uh, I said to the boys, I said, hey, here's an idea. Why don't we play a little game where we brainstorm a series or a comics project for which there's currently a void in the industry, like something you wish existed but doesn't currently exist in printed form. So that's the premise of this little game. And we are going to... We're basically giving you guys free ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Really. uh, We know a lot of people listen to this show and a lot of publishers listen to it. And any of these click, I want in. That's all I'm saying. So my first one, it was the the impetus for the whole uh, exercise, we'll call it. And the videos in question, Mia and I absolutely love. Are you boys uh, familiar with the SCP Foundation? Can't say that I am. Okay. Their their motto is secure, contain, and protect. SCP. It's it's a a clandestine organization that corrals these. I don't want to give you the wrong idea because these things. And by things, I mean they could be anthropomorphic creatures, they could be architecture, they could be concepts, they could be bodies of land, they could be galaxies, could be planets. What they are is they're organisms that need to be removed from... They need to be removed from the big picture because they have the possibility of not only hurting people but ending the universe so they're basically monster hunters 
And what they do is they, they get these creatures, and, and I'm, I'm saying creatures in quotes, because they're not all anthropomorphic. There's one that's like um, a cigarette, that if you smoke this cigarette, you transform into something, or it, it overtakes you in some way. Like, they're, they're harmful, or potentially harmful, entities that this SCP Foundation takes and sequesters. They, they, they remove them from the playing field and isolate them, contain them, protect people from them, right? And, uh, there's some really, really weird ones. Like, we were, we were watching, uh, the other night and there was like, uh, uh, a nar, not a narwhal. It was a whale who was sentient and super intelligent. And he wore a top hat. And that was, but he didn't know where he was from or how he got to our universe. Only that he wanted to take college level courses. And so, like, there are, there are various designations for the, the SCPs. There's like safe, uh, Euclid, and they have various designations based on the amount of damage they could do if they're loose, right? There's video games for this. There's, there's novels, but there's no freaking comics. Why? Can you imagine the if you got um, and and I admit it, it is very uh, BPRD ish, right? The 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 uh, crux is the same relatively, except not all these entities are paranormal. There are some paranormal ones, but it, the the concept for the the series is very very rich in. The diversity of character design, you can go nuts with, and if you get like a really top-notch writer on this project, you could, this could be an infinitely running series, not with the same writer, but what I'm saying is you could, I'm guessing a lot of the people interested in writing sci-fi or fantasy or horror and, and you know, cross-pollinizations of the same would love to do this. Why are there no SCP comics? Why? I don't know, but there should be, because people could go crazy with these concepts. Um, it's it's like imagine a Grant Morrison chestnut that he just drops into a story. Those are the kind of creatures that or entities that populate this universe, and it's cool. It's fun. It's it's creatively rich. Uh, the concepts are amazing, and yet there's no comics based on this property i don't know why i don't get it it's interesting do you guys do you remember the friday the 13th tv series oh yeah 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 totally misnamed by the way right like, like yeah like it has absolutely nothing to do with right in in the, in the same sense of halloween 3 right oh well i don't yeah yeah That's on, on, the, on the basis of Yes, it carried the Halloween name, but it really didn't yeah. have much to do with, you know, uh, the Halloween right. universe. But yeah. I get it, yeah. I just think this would be really cool. Like, if you get um, Sean Phillips on this, or, or um, I, why? Yeah, that's the question. Or I, there's, there's a ton of guys uh, who could do wonderful work for a horror sci-fi uh, hybrid like this. I think publishers are in, and it's a, and it's a shared universe. So I'm I'm not saying this stuff is public domain, but anybody can play. 
You can you can write your own SCP, uh, brainstorm a creature, or uh, and they all have different numbers: SCP dash zero zero nine or or SCP four three five two. Like there's a there's thousands of them that exist already. There should be a tie-in comic for this. Yeah, I'm with that. Sounds interesting. The videos are great, and the videos are just text scrolls. And why I watch them is way beyond me. But I mean, it's like it's like Ghostbusters, only for like other things, right? Like yeah, like well, trying... that's part of it. There, there, there. There's a couple of SCPs that are um, akin to a ghost, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I know that they're not ghosts. I'm saying, but like the concept of like going around trying to capture or remove or right. extricate something but, that can cause a lot of damage. I mean, the SCP Foundation's brutal. If if one of the SCPs, like a high level SCP, manages to attract the attention of the general public, those with those that experience the thing they should not experience are probably they're either mind wiped or they're killed. So they're not playing around. Like it's it scorched earth. If if you're you manage to pick up sound or vision of one of these things and they don't want you to go telling you know the news you're you're pretty much dead yeah it's great i love it but uh, like the videos is basically they're basically text crawls some the audio is better than others like they really get into the the theatrics and the dramatization of it but it's basically Mm -hmm. a a reel-to-reel tape player and maybe an ashtray with a lit cigarette and smoke coming up like and usually black and white or 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 not monochrome but very very low chroma and the text will, will scroll on the side, the very same thing that the narrator's saying. And I am infatuated with these videos. Some of them go on for like two hours. And we're just sitting there. Wow. Yeah, just watching them. We love them. So there you go. I'm moving on. That's my number one. Uh, the, the whole reason for this project being is the SCP Foundation. Make some damn comics, people. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, that's definitely something that it is something that we don't have. I mean, for sure. Right. It's the truest one to the the uh, the problem of something that does not exist in the comics industry. There are no s to to my knowledge, and I looked. There are no sp scp comics. That's it. Nice. It's number one. And that's weird because I mean they 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 make comics for. Every oh sh- I mean, sure mystery science theater is a fucking comic. I just I mean there's and it was I good. Just, was it better than the sh- than than uh, oh anything's better than the show yeah yeah okay that's show is awful yeah I I agree. I'd rather uh, watch Doctor Who marathon than watch mystery science. Well, you know what? The joke's on you because Flux is really good. That's the latest series. It is very very good. You're missing out, my friend. Wait, oh, is Flux Doctor Who? It's a six-episode uh, miniseries. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, but, uh, it's uh, uh, starring the, the current Doctor. Star, yeah, yes. I think it's her swan song. It is. Got it. Yeah. Okay. I know what's going to happen. The vi- she's going to transform in the last episode. You oh watch. my God! No. You watch. I'm. 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 <laughs> I'm saying it right now. She's going to. Tr- she's going to. Uh, yeah. But we'll see. So who's next? I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say. 
Uh, I mean, admit, admittedly, you know, I think this is a harder experiment for me. I, I like, like in the sense that I kept thinking of things and then I thought, well, no, that exists. Like, I'm like, I'm like, actually that exists. But, but the one that I, the first thing that came to mind and, and, and I, I, it is, I think truly to the heart of, of what you're going for and that it's like, why doesn't this exist? And I know why, but like, I still think that like in the world of comics, we could make it work is, and this was brought on in part by, I just watched this weekend, the harder they fall, which is, uh, a, a for our listeners who don't know Netflix original movie that, um, it's, 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 it's a Western, but it's a, it's a Western, uh, with, with almost all black actors. Uh, Idris Elba is the big bad, uh, Lakeith Stanfield's a villain. Regina King is a villain. Uh, then you've got, uh, you've got, uh, Jonathan Majors. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Majors is the lead. The, the, he's the the you know the, the lead protagonist, uh, and it's but it's great. It's an incredible cast, and it was a great movie. And I, I have always loved westerns. You know, you've heard Dap and I gush about Deadwood uh, and our love for that show. And 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 growing up, I mean, my dad and I just we had a shared love for westerns. I mean, I I consider Silverado one of my all time favorite films, and I realize it's not. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, but I mean, I realize that's not like AFI's top 100 film or anything. Oh, but, but I, I love, love that movie. Yeah, I love that movie. And and ultimately, when I look at all the westerns that I love, uh, you know, one of the things I like about it is not dissimilar to say, um, like the purity of a good superhero comic or the purity of of, of when pro wrestling is good. It's just simple. It, it like it doesn't have to be complicated. It, it's it is full of tropes, but the reason that they're fun is because they work. It's good versus bad trying to often about avenging and a, a debt of honor or a blood debt writing a wrong uh someone a badass taking out someone who is worse than them it's just pure simple and uh and pulls the right emotional uh strings and considering the world of comics it's and also the history of comics it is astounding to me that we don't have at least one excellent ongoing western now i know people are probably screaming they're like, what about that we have had some western comics in recent years um you know including the sixth gun uh including um kelly uh sudaconic's uh book uh pretty deadly um Jonah. Jonah Jonah Hex, but but the thing is about all those is they're they're Western with a twist, right? Jonah Hex is obviously set in the DCU. Uh, you've got uh, Pretty Deadly was was definitely a, more of an experimental book. I mean, it had a Western motif, but I like that uh, book a lot. Yeah, yeah, no, no, me too, me too. It, actually, it was one of those books that just kind of disappeared. It, it it was supposed to keep going and it didn't. Um, and um, and 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 Six Gun was fantastic. I loved it, but it was it was supernatural, you know. Right. Um, and even with all that said, none of those books exist anymore. But I don't know why, as 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 many people listening know. I mean, westerns were a core genre of comics in their early days. Hell yeah, romance romance comics, horror comics, western comics. Um, I understand that the the reason we don't have lots of western comics is the same reason we don't have lots of western TV shows or lots of western movies. Because there's not much of a commercial market for it. It's it's a niche market these days. There isn't a big enough audience to support massive amounts of Western content. I get that. Like, and and I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not foolish of that. But in a world where I have control over what's being created for the sake of this game, 
I don't understand, especially given the talent and storytelling that we have at our disposal today, why we can't have one or two really well done, long form creator owned works that are set in a Western that aren't supernatural. They're Western books featuring characters and, and characters with heroic and villainous arcs. Uh, I would just gobble that up on every Same. level. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And like, and I, and I like even, even in a world where Westerns aren't like big hits anymore, like they just made the harder they fall. Like there is an opera, like if it's a critter on book, it, what's it got to sell 10,000 copies to, to keep going. Like, I don't know. Like, like I have a hard time believing that there's not a market for that, but uh, by the right creative team. Um, so, and, and listen, you know, and again, uh, just I, I anything that has a sniff of Western I get into, and and certainly East of West had a Western motif, and I loved it for that, and it's one of the things I loved about the book. But but East of West was again a post-apocalyptic book set in the far future with tons of science and magic. Uh, so it was I don't that's not what I'm talking. About. I'm talking about like a pure. You know, and I'm not talking about Rawhide Kid or Two Gun Kid. Like, where I'm talking about, like, like a book that basically takes the the motif of Deadwood and turns it into a comic. And I would I would gobble it up, but you know, I doubt we're going to get it. But I would love for someone to hear this. And hey, any like Vincent, any of you out there listening that are dope ass comic book writers and artists and are looking for your thing, if you want to you want to take this idea and run, go with it. Yeah, <laughs> take it and run. I just got to say huzzah, because I'm with you. I, I need a Western book, too. Yeah, um, it's crazy. I, you know why there's not a plethora of Western comics? Because horses are motherfuckers to draw. <laughs> that's, true, yeah. that's true, yeah. That's yeah. true. I mean, I, Loveless was fantastic, and, and I um, I finally finished collecting the series at, at, at one of the last conventions we went to, but... Um, but that started off strong, and and that just kind of petered out. And I'm, I'm sure part of it was due to sales. But yeah, no, I would love a good western. Hundred percent. I mean, the in, in the European comics, there's there's a good amount of western still being published, but yeah, that's not here. And and yeah, the the, the irony. Like, I mean, there, there there have been western comics, obviously. I'm oh no, sure, but, but the irony. Of of all the the really great Western comics being published uh, outside of the country on which they're based, <laughs> so strange. Mm-hmm. What do you mm-hmm. gonna favorite Western comic? While we're on the subject, what it is, Jason? Um. Well, I mean, I don't know that I have a like like you saying. That fits my my category, or it has a Western motif. That fits your category, yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know that there is one. I mean, I'd have to say Blueberry, but well, yeah. I mean, I, like I've read some Blueberry, but I can't say that like I'm steeped in it. You know, so right. I, I don't. Maybe I should be. I mean, maybe it, maybe that will scratch my itch. Maybe that's, right. that's what I need to check out. But um, the thing I was going to say at the end was Blueberry, but I think uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray's uh, run on Jonah Hex is pretty much the best Western comic I've ever read. I really enjoyed that, and, and Moritat did a long run of that. In fact, I own a page of that. Uh, from nice. Um, I bought it from Chris Campbell, actually. Chris had a page, and he was he was uh, culling his, his art collection years, this is years and years ago, and I bought it. Uh, it sticks out like a sore thumb in my collection because it doesn't really fit anything else that I have, but uh, 
but I don't want to get rid of it because I, I love Mortat and it is a nice page of Western art. Yeah. So yeah. And that Darwin cook issue. Oh my goodness. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say. I mean, for me, if like uh, East of West is would be my choice, but again, that's be, it's Western. It's Western. It's got like a Western skin over top of a of a much different book, though. You know, it's right. Not, right. I, that's why I think Jonah Hex is very, very smart because there's not a whole lot of supernatural elements to Jonah Hex, but the fact that he's scarred elevates him above the garden variety Western hero. And the fact that he has a checkered past, too, uh, what with fighting for the wrong side, you know, yeah, I, I, I think um, they were very, very uh, smart and, and forward-thinking, um, scarring, mm-hmm. scarring Jonah like that. Because if, the, if the, the genre didn't pull you in, the fact that the main character looked, you know, half-desiccated and zombie-like, that would... So I th- yeah, I think it was a, a brilliant series, but and the entirety of Jonah Hex is great, but I think Jimmy and Justin did it the best, which is mm-hmm. that's that's big props, yeah, big doings, yep. Go Dap. Oh man, yeah, this was it's uh, it's weird. I I um. I tend to just kind of, I'm, I'm in this regard, I guess I'm not really that big of an idea, man. I, I, I dig the concept of, of, um, of the assignment a lot. Cause I want to hear what other people come up with. I mean, if I struggle with things because I look around and I might, or I think to myself, you know, things that I enjoy that, you know, is there a, comic about it and whether it's you know it's i love me some sci-fi and god knows there's plenty of fucking sci-fi comics out there that spies not so much the whole espionage aspect of it i mean yeah there's the dynamite's got the james bond but you know i mean you gotta find secret avengers or something if you want your superheroes to kind of dip their toes in that so i mean i do i do like the espionage aspect of it and that and that made me and that just reminded me that a property that I thought would have been a great comic book that was never made into one um, was the TV show Leverage. And that's just, but I mean, that's, that's the whole, you know, the, the, that's the group of individuals get together to um, do good. And, you know, you got the, you got the thief, you got the hacker, you got the, the strong guy. And, and so that just kind of makes up a whole bunch of other, teams and books that I enjoy. And then I thought, I, I'm like, well, shit, I, I love me some, one of my hobbies is, is fucking around in the kitchen. But then I think I'm like, we just fucking read delicacy. We had starve. We had flavor. I'm like, so there's been plenty of like, I don't know if plenty is the right word, but there's been books about, about cooking and, and things like that. So it really, um, this is one of those tests that, that, that I just, feel miserably at because i'm not sure what i enjoy outside of comics that i that isn't already in some way shape or form a comic book that i enjoy if that makes sense yep i get it well vince has seven so right that's what i'm saying i mean and, and i love that because yes i mean i i 
you know, there's there are things that I'm I'm into, but again, yeah, I, I don't. I'm not keen on horror. Lord knows, there's plenty of horror books. I just it's it's one of those things where I'm just I'm just very plain or just comfortable with what's already out there, I guess. And then there are things you know I'll read it and I'm like, well, they could have done this better. You know, we we I'll play armchair editor, but yeah, I I, I know that Vince was so excited for this and and yeah it 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 was sprung on us less than 24 hours ago so it's but it's still i love the fact that jason had some ideas to run with it but i'm 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 stoked to hear about uh vince's baker's half dozen all right number two now admittedly a lot of these would not be mega sellers right I mean, I have to be a realist. I am a dreamer, but I got to be a realist in thinking that um, should any of these ever see the light of day, they're probably not going to crack, you know, the top 50. Uh, I get it, but that's not uh, included in the in the exercise. <laughs> We're just going to pretend that these would be successful. Um, my number two there have been uh, there there exists a lot of comics that are inspired by RPGs i think the big daddy would have to be andrew mclean's headlopper right mhm has a very rpg feel to it mm-hmm. right? and and even i think diamond came the closest to integrating rpgs and comics with their pathfinder series because they included game-specific information in the back, along with maps that you can use while playing the game. So Dynamite came very, very close to what I would like to see, but not close enough. Because I would love to see a a system-neutral RPG comic. And if you don't know what system-neutral means... It means not Dungeons and Dragons, not Pathfinder specific, not um, Dungeon Crawl classics. Like the the specifics of those games are irrelevant because they would give they would allow you to tweak whatever it is in the in the in the comic to your specific role playing game. So system neutral RPG comic where the first issue sets up the world, the characters, and the problem, right? So it would have to be maybe a 48-page first issue. Um, and you got to get relatively big-name creators on this because you got to have a draw. People aren't just going to buy this. Um, but, but at the end of the first issue, you get all the, the, the stats malleable, of all the characters, you get a map of the environment, all that, and the series would is designed to have RPG players take that first issue as the preface for their gaming adventures, play it out, take note of what you're doing, right? Jot down all of the pertinent details of the the campaign till it ends, and then. Take all that, 
send it back to the publisher, and the best story continues. The creative team will take the best story from these homegrown RPG adventures, take the best one, and adapt it to the next X issues until they finish the story. So, it's a, again, it's a collaborative project between a creative team that that is instigating the adventure and actual gamers, and then their ideas commingle in the second to whatever issue, and that and they get like shared ownership of this thing in a sense. That would be awesome. I don't know any gamers that wouldn't take them up on that. Because it's mm-hmm. it's it's system neutral, which means you can play with any game. Here's what we got. We think we have a really creatively rich storyline. And the resolution was awesome. We were falling out of our chairs. It just came out so amazing. Some of us died. Some of us didn't. And adapt that sucker for the next couple issues. And then, um, then you have another one-shot that does the same thing, like a series of, of one-shots that are fleshed out after the fact by real people in tandem with, you know, not everybody's a writer, not everybody's an artist. I totally get that. But those those ideas that the gamers include in their packet back to the creators are then fleshed out and polished by the creative team, and they continue the series and end it the way that it happened on the gaming table. That's awesome. I I want to see that. I like that. I love that a lot. Yeah. Because it's it's fun and it's shared and it's 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 you're you're I the ideas are being shaped not only by the cre- by the creators but by the the people that actually live this stuff that play it every week and or multiple times a week and and devote all of their free time to these universes and now they have a chance to have their efforts committed to paper that's i just love sharing ideas and and what happens when someone out of the blue says well wait a minute that shouldn't happen we should do this and then maybe the, the original creators never even thought uh, conceived of that kind of thing happening. I was watching an RPG video the other night, and and they were like, "Okay, let's do this." And I'm like, "You idiots! It would be so much better if you did this." And they, I could tell it just by where the story was going that they didn't have any idea of where they could have taken it. I'm not saying I'm right, but I thought it would be much more um, robust of the storyline if they took it in this direction and then they didn't. And the opportunity for them to do so was there. So that's what I'm saying. Like, so, so say you get five or six or seven uh, returns on your first issue investment and the creative team goes over them to like, whoa, like, this is amazing. I love this one, but I also love this one. Let's mix the two and just have a freaking RPG party. Like, that's amazing. Who doesn't want to see their name on the inside front cover of a comic? Right? Sure. Again, maybe I'm being pie-in-the-sky optimistic, but I think this would be a really cool idea. Well, I think suffice to say, when you posited this idea, I mean, I think there was, a, to me, a, like a tacit understanding that a lot of the ideas we came up with would... would like, there, there's since we seem to be in a world where they'll make a comic out of anything, 
like there are probably legitimate reasons why some of these things aren't going to happen or haven't happened. Right. And a lot of it probably comes down to what they believe to be whether there's a market for it. But fuck it, like it's not a that's not the exercise. Yeah, it's not like, not a concern. You're not asking us to be an editor with a budget. You're saying no. Like, yeah. No. So well, I'll just say like because another one of my ideas is is not has nothing to do with RPGs, but it's of the same uh, it's it's of the same ilk in the sense that it's about collaboration, and that's. Um, part of my mind sort of wandering into where are we as an industry in terms of technology and the way that we think of comics, right? Cause, cause we're, I mean, digital comics now have been around a long time and we are seeing an expanded, uh, collection of ways that they're put out, whether they're digital first and then printed or just digital only or web strips. I mean, but, but at the end of the day, I've been. Uh, a little surprised, if not disappointed, at the lack of real innovation in terms of the 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 way you can use modern day technology and the internet to to create uh, sequential stories. I mean, like I, like they're still basically multi panel grid pages that you just scroll scroll through, or they're formatted exactly like an eight and a half by eleven page because they're going to print it later. Like, you just haven't seen a lot of like the of of pushing the boundaries of what you can do, and I'm not so much interested in – my idea isn't so much focused on changing the format, although that would be cool. Like I'm all for that. I would love that. But I'm not – as someone who's not really an artist, I, I, I wouldn't know how to how to blow your mind with, with that idea. Although I'm, I'm, I'm quite confident as a consumer of comics that there are some – a lot of ways that you could present comics digitally that, that we haven't seen yet that would be pretty neat. Um, but – it does play into the idea of this world that we live in now with connectivity. And, and I, part of the brains, part of the germination of the idea was from our own book of the month, you know, which is, again, it's a simple poll, but I was like, you know, we live in a world now where there's reality shows that literally vote people off of live reality shows by, by taking a vote. Right. And they take the vote and it's like tallied it's millions of votes tallied in seconds. Right. They go to a commercial break and they come back and they've tallied these votes and it, and it impacts the what happens next. And I thought, why don't we have that in comics? Like if you got the right creative teams together, it, it would be really cool to have some kind of thematic crowdsourced ideas where. Uh, and you could put gates around it. Like it wouldn't be like, all right, let, it wouldn't be like improv where you just shout out five random uh, nouns and, and, and the improv makes a skit out of it. But it could be not dissimilar to like a book of the month idea where a creative team says, all right, fans vote on, you know, out of this five genres and, and, and this and this and this. And then a team would commit to making a 22 to 30 page if or more but probably let's keep it to one issue for the sake of what's feasible story and we would get it in you you know that it would be a contractual thing where in three months we're going to get the story and so you'd have a once you got going you'd have a rolling every month you say oh this is the month and it would just be fun i think for people to interact and iterate and uh, you know if it's successful then obviously you could you could have longer form stories where where uh, almost like a mad libs where where you crowdsource uh, the direction of the book, but the, but then you let the creative team go from there and take it. And I, I think it would be a lot of fun. Again, very hard to pull off. Uh, and and not suggesting that I think anything like that can or will happen soon. But we certainly have the technology now. We have the means. It would just take the right 
creators who are structured enough and creative enough that they feel like if you threw them some ideas, they could really make something fun regardless of what the ideas are. Uh, I'd love that. I mean, I think it would be a blast, but you know, again, probably not going to happen, but I think that would be a real treat. Yeah, I guess I'm down with that. I, I like the improv aspect of it, but I, I maybe um, misunderstood you when you said about um, the internet and digital technology and stuff. You're not talking about a. You're talking about a printed comic, right? No, not, no, no, mm, not digital. Yeah, see, I'm out. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, okay. I mean, yeah, that's, that's fine. I mean, digital comics are a real thing. They're not going away. I know. I get it. But um, not a fan. I mean, if it's digital, I, I probably won't ever read it. You know. It's just well, the way I'm white. Ideas, I wasn't designing ideas that I thought Vince would want to buy. It's very true. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was designing ideas that I thought I would want to buy. Nice. So. <laughs> Ah, boy. What else you got? Uh, okay. There, uh, Dap will know what I'm speaking about. Maybe not Jason. But, uh, geez. T- uh, 25, whatever, 30 years ago, there, there was a comic that, um, I believe it was Fantagraphics. Uh, and, and it was, uh, inspired by and I think helmed by the creator of the fanzine, uh, and it's still running, but the, uh, the the Fantagraphics version was called Duplex Planet Illustrated. And it was uh, edited by David Greenberger. And the, uh, the concept was he would go around to n- nursing homes and ask them <laughs> somewhat strange questions, right? Like, what's more important? romance or food um what would you do if you found yourself floating in outer space he would ask the the inhabitants of the nursing home these these questions and the answers were ridiculous and hysterical and uh, i love the comic i I have the whole run greenberger still publishes um duplex planet in some form he's still going strong i think it's been running for 40 years plus yeah, yeah, but yeah, but to springboard from that, uh, I think it's a great idea that should be expanded. Like not only nursing homes, I think you should take those questions and ask children, and ask the inhabitants of of mental institutions and prisons, right? Just and I, I totally admit there is a there is a, uh, an undercurrent of exploitation here, but it's a genre I love. I love exploitation, and um, like the Fantagraphics series, which was uh, illustrated by Pete Bag and Daniel Klaus and uh, Robert Crumb. Like they had a lot of top-notch artists on it. Um, you'd need that because it's slice of life. There are no mind-bending cosmic vistas. There are there. There's not spandex and 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 creepy things lurking in the shadows. It's people answering questions. So you'd have to get artists that were uh, that had a facility with caricature, 
um, like Drew Friedman, right? Or or someone of that stripe where they, they did great faces or, or uh, Basil Wolverton would have been great for this. But just ask questions and, and, and to these inhabitants of all these places and just record the, the crazy, off-kilter, left-field, wacky-ass answers you get and print get it on the printed page i love stuff like that and and um it, it took me a while to get the whole series i think i was missing issued like one um but i got them or maybe the last one whatever it was either the first or the last i eventually found it and and it's a series that i will never ever part with because i, I just i love the concept behind it it's it's people um, and, you know, the equivalent of the reality show back in the early 90s when that kind of thing wasn't even a dream of of the, the exploitation television makers. But I, I would love to see this. Can you imagine some of the, the answers? Like, and to, to, to juxtapose the answers from, you know, uh, kindergarten and up children with the answer the same question the answers from you know death row inmates like what would they say as opposed to these children and but you know butt them up next to each other so you get a beautiful uh counterpoint or or uh who knows maybe the answers would be the same i don't know but i think it, it would be a neat experiment that that neat, should have a place in the comics industry there's got to be a place for this I mean, I love, I love asking random people random questions stuff. Yeah, like Stern's Stern's yeah. always done it, you know, and uh, and obviously that when, idiot, uh, that Billy on the street or whatever the fuck he is. Yeah, when 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 World yeah. Star World Star was doing questions, photo to seven. Oh god! Like I don't know why I can't understand why someone doesn't do that. Like even though we're, like now that doesn't like there's not a t- how is that not on TikTok or something like I don't know. Like, it's, it's nuts, right? Anyway. Yeah, but but um, I love that idea. Like, and to your point, like, yeah, imagine saying like, "Who created the universe?" And then you have like a six-year-old, a dude that's on death row, a dude that's like in a mental ward, and then you had these really, really wildly illustrative indie comics artists that can render the the different that, visions of it. That's the key. That's the key. The visuals yeah, have, right. have yeah, to you be can't have, like Tony Daniel. Right. You got to have like yeah, right. Oh, but hey. Come on. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying Tony Dane in a bad way. I'm saying I know. he's a straight mainstream, yeah, superhero. You know, ha- handsome people artist. Right. I get uh, it. Okay. Yeah. That's really good, man. That's I like that. I like that. Seriously. Um. All right. So my favorite idea is is this is the what I'm about talking is my favorite of the ones I came up with. Uh, it's the one that would make me the most happy to see exist, and probably the hardest to pull off, which is why I, I say it would make me the most happy. Um. It would require like a showrunner. The way I envision it is it would actually be there would be seasons, so it could be arcs, whatever. But like, think of it like in TV terms, like it would be seasons, and each season would be an event. And the event doesn't ha- like sure you, you could you I mean your mind races you could do an event like you know a meteor crashing into the earth right and destroying half like a continent or. Uh, a plague or you know a hellhole opening up like it, it the event is really not important it, like the, it, but the point is a showrunner for that for that chapter that season that arc 
would posit an event that would have big ramifications. But you all know that I love a good slice of life, life comic, right? Like I love when it, like I love a well-executed, like give me a graphic novel, understanding this person's inner being, right? Like if it's done well, I really like that. So I thought, <laughs> let's have a showrunner where the, the draw is this wild event, you know, like it's it, like whatever the event may be, you know, can again, each, each season could be something totally different. It could be supernatural. It could be based in science. It could be something mundane, but real, like uh, an earthquake, whatever. Like that's, that's, you know, that's, but that event serves as the kernel for then each issue of that season is a or chapter. If you do it in a graphic novel form, uh, a different perspective on a person's journey through that event. And it could be as simple as like it being the most tangential thing in their life. And it just had a small impact in their life, but you see that, or it could be that they were like in the middle of it and give different, just, I would love to see different perspectives of each, each issue arc chapter, whatever you want to call it is a totally different person and how they had to, how that let event affected them over the course of again, whether it's a day, a week, a month, whatever. But like, and and tell a story with it, and and there really doesn't need to be any interconnectedness between the stories, uh, other than that uh, uh, they were all in some way touched by the event in question. Uh, I would adore that. Again, I don't know if anyone else on the planet would want to read that, but I. No, I think it's just, good. Yeah, but I would be blown away by it. And again, it would have to be executed by a deft hand, like someone who's a really good planner, showrunner. You know, the obvious names would be like Brian K. Vaughn or Hickman, but someone that can put up on a whiteboard and map it all out so that there is a cohesion. But yeah. but each individual chapter, there'd be a lot of freedom for it could be a very small story, very big story. And there have been things like this in novels, you know, uh, it, there's even been like attempts at it. Like, um, like I, th- I really hoped when when the Walking Dead TV show was just going gaga. And so they spun, they, you know, they spun up the fear of the walking dead. Like I was excited for that. Cause I thought, Oh, this is going to be cool. Cause this is going to be what I like. I was like, this is going to be like different groups of people where you don't, you're not going to follow them around. Like we followed these characters around for, for years and years, but like they're still in that same world and you could do cool little one-off stories involving different people. They can die. They may not die. You may never see them again. That's not what that show ended up being. It just became an, a show with another set of characters you're supposed to care about. Uh, there was a, but there I've read novels, novelizations that kind of play with this theme a little bit. Um, nothing quite this thing, but it, but, but it, it, the idea of it, there've been some television series where you start off that way, right? Where you see, you meet different characters and, and they're on their own journey and they don't really seemingly have much overlap. But then as the show goes on, they pull it all together and, uh, and I'm, I don't want to see that part in this comic. Like if, if, if they have interactions with each other, it should be totally like tangent. It should be tangential and coincidental. It shouldn't be that like, they're all coming together for some grand arc. So I I would love it again. I don't know. I mean, I don't think there's a huge market for it and it would be very hard to do it with a high, high level of quality, but I just love the idea of it and that you could do different chapters based on, you know, whoever was really passionate about a certain event that could just be the codification of it. So did you know that there's a third walking dead television show? Uh, what is it called? I, I, it wasn't, I mean, I think I vaguely knew that, but I didn't know that it yeah. come out. World Beyond. Yeah, it's out. Yeah. 
Is that what does that is that what I'm talking about? No, it's recurring characters. Yeah, but I, I think to to polish that diamond a little bit more, uh, I think it would be cool if you take notable days in history, uh, days in which uh, the events totally changed humanity, right? And I guess you could say Pearl Harbor, um, 9/11, right? You use like I'm just saying 9/11 as a backdrop, but uh, have characters, and you could take testimony from real world people. Like, tell what was your day like on 9/11, and you're going to get stories like, "Well, my father died on 9/11," and the whole thing around all that, plus the fact that the world outside the window is crumbling. Right, so you take something like that, and then you go to another one. Well, my daughter was born on nine eleven, and juxtapose it against that. Like I think that would be a neat hook too. Just take very, very like like status quo changing days in history, and yeah, inter- yeah. but it, you wouldn't be able to go back too far because not a lot of people are alive in the you know those days. But uh, yeah, I think that this is a great idea pretty awesome actually i'd be down for that yeah i mean dap you know i mean obviously the leftovers is one of your favorite shows of all time and i just recently watched it and i mean it's that that show starts off that way you know we sort of meet these different people but but obviously then they have they all come together and i love the leftovers but i'm saying like like but this would kind of be like the first part of leftovers where you meet all these people and and but they don't they don't end up all getting inextricably linked with one another, which right. is what happens. And I understand why we do that because that's the draw from long form TV. I mean, uh, you know, what Lost was also like that, right? Like all these different people, and and I think where I where I don't want to go that route is because I think it's hard to make that happen. Like it starts feeling very contrived. Uh, and usually in leftovers, they did it beautifully, which is why it's such a great show. But but like generally speaking, it feels like very contrived when they try and put everything into together, you know. And what, listen, one of my favorite comics of all time is Hundred Bullets, and that's not dissimilar to what I'm talking about. Not like like that I wouldn't want to have happen. I think because it's already been done really well. Like to me, like shows like The Leftovers have already done that perfectly, and Hundred Bullets did it perfectly. You've all these characters that have their own arcs, but by the end, they've all become intertwined, and it makes sense. Like, I'm all for that, too. Yeah. But, like, I feel like that stuff exists. The idea that I'm positing doesn't really exist. Probably because people like people like endings. They don't like to be left hanging. And I get that. Yeah, yeah. You got the you got the continuity wonks. You got the people who want to follow along and, and get closure, see somebody's... Follow along with someone's arc, just seeing someone along for a handful of pages and then never seeing them again. But that's that, that could... That's very reminiscent of life how many people do you come in contact with in air quotes whether you're at the the bank or the supermarket you never see them again and and you don't know what the hell's going on in their life it, it's I, I shit can just spiral and i know that, that, that this totally gets away from it and i know that um you you sh- you gave the show a shot when it started and uh and then i think you bailed and and i'm talking about love life and the reason I bring this up is because um, uh, Harper Jackson, who plays uh, Chidi in um, The Good Place, William Harper Jackson, he uh, he's the star of the second season. And 
when I saw him, I'm like, all right, I'm going to give the show a shot, not realizing it was the second season of the show that Anna Kendrick started. And yeah, really so, disliked the first season. <laughs> right. So, so, so my wife and I, we, we ended up and, and after the first couple of episodes, you, you're, you know, you're, you're, you get to know the people in, in Darby's circle in her life. And the first season, it, it ends differently than I thought it was based on the first couple of episodes. But, the, but, but what's happening is the second season, the first episode of the second season, you go back in time a couple of years to when Darby got married and when she and Magnus were married at their party at their reception was at a bar and Darby goes up to get a shot of tequila. And then when she leaves the bar, um, uh, our Jackson's character comes up to the bar and now the show is just about him and, and his circle. And I, I thought that was, and I hope if the series continues that, you know, next season, it's basically kind of like handing off the baton. And, and I thought that that was just really unique because now they, there was a small overlap in, in their circle. They may not have known each other and he could have been a plus one for something. He was actually married to a waitress who worked at the restaurant that Magnus cooked at. So, I mean, again, it was just it was like you know, 83 degrees of separation, but it, it grew out of that and now we're just following this guy along. And I think it has nothing to do with the concept you just came up with, but I was just thinking about how lives intersect or overlap and, and how, you know, you just, you like ships passing in the night and you never never know what's going to happen with that other one that, that that just went by yeah right on right on i'm with that nice you want another one of course well this kind of springboards again from youtube and netflix uh very popular genre on both of those uh services is um, investigative journalism by way of true crime, where they they uh, you know they they take cold cases or or notable cases and uh, scrutinize them under the light of the present day, and in some cases they they uncover very very pertinent details that lead to either solving the case or breaking the case or pushing the case into a different direction. And uh, back in the day, I loved Alan Moore and uh, Bill Sienkiewicz's uh, Brought to Light. I thought it was amazing. And why don't we have more true crime comics? But but true crime comics with an eye to investigating, with an eye to the journalistic side of making comics, where you don't have the story planned out because you don't know where the evidence is going to lead you. And the the writer would have to be an investigator of some sort, um, uncovering clues and details and going into past histories and character studies, just like the Netflix documentaries do, just like tons of YouTube videos do. Um, and, and all of those things contain dramatizations of events. Well, in comics, you can have the actual people in the events, right? Uh, depending on the... the, the uh, skill of the artist, you could render these things as if you're back in the day, right? With all of the, the bric-a-brac of that, of the, you know, pertinent eras within the, the sequential art. I just think it, 
there's not a whole lot of true crime comics. There's not a, a lot of journalistic comics. I don't think there's any, really, comics out there that are trying. They have an agenda. They're trying to solve a problem. Who killed Kitty McCarlyle? Right? Here's the evidence we have from the 1962 case. The, the trail has gone cold. I'm here to uncover the details and get into it and, and, and bust this thing wide open. Do it in comics form. That's awesome. Yeah. Hmm. It would have to be a long form project, though. Yeah. Like, like it's not going to come out every month. Or bi-monthly. We're talking maybe four times a year, maybe twice a year, depending mm-hmm. on the, the, the trickle of details. But I, I think um, investigative journalism should not be relegated to uh, television. I, yes, it's quicker. It's much quicker than having someone slave over a drawing board for, for days, weeks, months, whatever. But it's relatively basic, right? I mean, it's, you know, depending on the... The skill of the filmmakers, yeah, you see the same things in every one. They're all lit the same way. You get the the faux weathered um, footage with the line that that skips across the screen. Oh, I get it. This is old film, but it's not. It's a dramatization. I get it. But with comics, you could do anything, right? It, the, the possibilities are limitless. It, 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 it's just this 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 desire to be fed stuff now. This is. Uh, anathema to that this is not a quick proposition it's it would need to be uh probably a massive uh investiture of time and and effort again i'm not saying these are going to be million sellers but uh Mm -hmm. nobody nobody uses comics in a journalistic fashion anymore i i because i read um I read his New Deal con- uh, um, graphic novel, which I love. But Jonathan Case uh, did the um, the OGN on the Green River Killer, which is a true story. And I don't know, though, if... I don't know how he approached telling the story in a comic. I don't know if he basically read off transcriptions of the court case or you know, just drew right. out from the newspaper articles about the uh about the manhunt and i i just but i know that there have been yeah. obviously and i mean and i mean capote in kansas to a degree but still i i those are just those are other people writing those, those are high profile cases yeah I, i'm not talking say, yeah this the serial killers have been covered a little bit yeah i'm not talking about, about like, manson we don't know, yeah right, right. I, yeah. no mansons no dommers none of that shit like, uh, there's the plenty of that. My friend Dahmer, which was great, right? Yeah. And that, that's and it was, the, uh, the it was great. Book that just came out. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't want to see any of the 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 the, the darlings of the serial killer set. Right. I'm, okay. I'm talking about you know, um, young lady was found dead, raped in the back of an alley. Who yeah. did it? Why they do it? How did how did it get to this point? Where is she? Who was she? More importantly, like that's the thing. Like she now she's a body. She's she's. Uh, it sounds terrible to say that, but now she's nothing. But who was she? And what led her to that alley? And how stuff like that? Like real real life. Well, what, what What's interesting about this is because you talk about like oh, most of these ideas we don't think would necessarily sell a lot. I mean, here we are making a podcast. Uh, 
whatever podcasts have become and and they've become very very big business although not necessarily for us but <laughs> but but in general um all of that is owed to serial it is that is the patient x right if you're if you're chronicling the the explosion of a pandemic you find patient x well patient zero uh serial is patient zero of, of podcasting becoming a real commercial art form um and and you know, to this day, the vast majority of, of very popular uh, uh, podcasts are true crime. You know, like it is it is a genre that seemingly oh. has an unending appetite. Thanks. And to your point, they're they're all you know, they're all and I listen to them occasionally. But um, I usually like much like I do with the Eisners, I'll go in toward the end of the year and I'll look at uh, different lists of best podcasts of the year. And then I'll try some of them out. Some stick with me, some some I move on from. But but the but I've certainly listened to my fair share of true crime. And um and like you said, it's it, the the thing that works with I think with podcasts with true crime is that it's all in the packaging. Um, a lot of these murders either are unsolved, you know, and never will be solved, or they were already solved long enough ago that you could Google it and see who did it. But it's how they present it, right? It's building. It's like building the peaks and valleys of the discoveries with which. Like oh, and then you just found out that the you know the, that the that the ex boyfriend was in town that week, and you're like oh, or you just found out that that someone lied about their alibi, and like and and they produce it in such a way that it makes it feel much more uh, like a like a like a really like a like a Sherlock Holmesian level investigation where they're where they're going to crack the code, and most of these they don't crack the code, including Serial by the way, like like they don't ever most of these true crime podcasts don't solve anything. It doesn't. They're just really chronicling an ongoing investigation in making it interesting for people for eight to 10 episodes. And, and I guess what's, what's important about saying that is that that format is wildly popular where the, the packaging is the commercial hook more than the substance. Like sadly insert missing girl a for miss swap her out for missing girl B. And you've got just another season of, of a true crime podcast. Like, like we don't, most of the listeners don't really end up caring about these people other than that they're a vessel to hear about what happened. So someone could do that in comic form, right? Cause comics are the same thing. Comics are about that last page of the issue has to leave you wanting to find out what's next. And you could do that in the same way. Cause that's what these episodes do. The episode leaves you on a cliffhanger or some kind of grand revelation that you're supposed to feel is massive and then you come back into the next episode and largely they move on and do something else. It's a little bit of sleight of hand, but your dopamine is fired off enough that you're ready to hit the next episode. Same thing in comics, right? When done right. well, that next issue is supposed to hook you for the following one. So it could be done. It would take a deft hand, though. Oh, sure, sure. And I'm glad you mentioned podcasts because I'm a gigantic fan of Crime Junkie podcast. And um, Ashley Flowers... If I had my druthers, okay, but whatever. That That's just me being a pig. Um, but there's an avenue in this investigative journalism comics that opens the door to collaboration between these people that have already done the investigations and the artistic types. So I could see a shaking of hands between, say, Crime Junkie podcast and... Um, Again, Sean Phillips, right? Just to throw a name out there that I think would be perfect for this, right? Uh, where Ashley and Britt have already done the investigations and they've come to maybe a conclusion. So that work is done and it's and it's it's recorded. There, there's an archive of it. So the data's there 
and to take that and flush it out in sequential form. Like, there could be a, a neat cross-pollinization between true crime podcasts and artistic types. Like, make some comics. Do an anthology. Like, just create. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I think the possibilities are limitless. I'm with it. Yeah, I'm down with it. I had to talk myself through that one because at first I was like, I don't know if, I'm, if I'd be interested in this, but it, yeah, it, if it's done well, because I, I do like true crime podcasts. When they're done well, I think there's a lot of bad ones. Yeah, you're definitely going to have a lot of bad comics. True. You know, Not crime junkie, though. You're definitely going to have to talk yourself through my next one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you have another well, I'll one? Give, I'll give you one, yeah. Okay. This one is probably the most commercial. Um, well, in general it is, but it's probably not the, it's the least feasible. Um, so I mean, listen, you all know, and I'm not, I, I, you all share this with me. Uh, I love a good Eros comic, you know, a good porn comic. You throw me a good porn comic, I'm into it. You know, I'm here for it. And I've backed the Smut Peddler anthologies on Kickstarter, just backed Piano Tuner, right? Like we've, you know, we've gushed about the Brandon Graham comics, like I'm, I'm for it. Like I, if it's done well, like I'm here for it. But um, so I'm, and obviously that's not new ground. There's there are plenty of of erotic comics out there at all times, which is great. Um, but what I would love to have, and this is this is really the germ of this idea, is seeing the Lost Girls sitting on my shelf. I would love if we lived in a world. That's why this is the least feasible, where we didn't have such puritanical hangups about. Porn and sex, and we could get our favorite mainstream comics creators to let their guard down and write and draw their like really, really explicit erotic comics that they're interested in, stories that they're interested in telling. And again, there's a lot of things that probably wouldn't like you'd have to a the society would have to be cool with that. You'd have to hope that every that most of them actually wanted to tell those kinds of stories if they could um and i realized so that's why this is never going to happen but i would just love that and, and it also was kind of evokes not just lost girls but there's something really fun and i think titillating when you when you see like the the naughty comics of wally wood right or you find out that the the old silver age guys were you know were prone to drawing a naughty comic or two like and i just i love that idea and and i love that I, I hate that it's taboo, you know, even in 20 fucking 21, where literally there's a trillion hours of every type of porn available for free for anyone at all times on the internet. And we act like, um, somehow it's still like, we have to pretend like we all don't look at it. <laughs> um, so probably never going to happen, but I think it would be great. And I envision it being like, since, since, since it's my decision, it would be super high end. Right, like beautiful spot varnish hardcovers collecting these stories, and maybe they're once a year. It's an anthology, and but the, it's not just a porn anthology because there are plenty of those, and many of them are good. But it's a it's a porn anthology of by creators that we generally adore for not creating porn. Uh, you know, I would love it. I'm sure many people would love it, but it's never going to happen. Again, co-sign on that one. Yep. Yeah, who wouldn't? Like most people are probably like, oh yeah, word, I'm down for that. Like it's just that you, you know, we're not going to get 
you know, we're probably never going to get, uh, you know, Brian K. Vaughn to do a Bukaki comic. It's probably not going to happen. It's true. You know? It's true. <laughs> so. Yeah. My next one's totally selfish. This is 100% for me. I don't know. Uh, I guess there would be a, a good amount of people that would want this, but uh, I'm guessing the general comic buying populace at large doesn't really care about this. But um, the chances of seeing a fourth season of Twin Peaks is very, very slim because uh, we had a lot of deaths. Harry Dean Stanton's dead. Um, Margaret uh, Lanterman, the log lady's dead. Uh, Garland Briggs, uh, Dan, uh, was Don, Don Davis, he died. Uh, you, you're never, I don't think Lynch and, and Frost are going to be able to do a fourth season of Twin Peaks because everybody's getting older, people are dying, the logistics of it. Like, I think the third season was a gift, a blessing, and we were lucky to get that, but I'm selfish. And I love Twin Peaks, and I and Kyle McLaughlin's getting older too, and and mm-hmm. you know yeah. they're they're all getting. I mean, he's not old, but he's he's inching up there, and and Cheryl Lee is 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 getting older, and and I think I think that if Lynch and Frost hand picked a creative team, like there are diehard Twin Peaks fans within the comic industry, creatively, who would love to do this, I think Lynch and Frost pick a creative team, and do Twin Peaks Season 4 in comics. I think it's the only way it's going to ever be done. I don't want an audiobook. I don't want a freaking dramatization. I don't want an animated thing. Uh-uh. Twin Peaks Season 4 in comics. McLaughlin is 62. Yes. Maybe drawn by Gabriel Hardman. Maybe. <laughs> uh, I'd have to think about it, but I, I have a very, very short list of guys I think that could do justice to it. Gabe is one. You know, th- there's a couple, but as, as far as the writer, it would have to be a high-profile writer, and Lynch and Frost would have to vet him. So they'd have to be down with Lynch and his transcendental meditation and, you know, play the play the part, get it down. I think comics are perfect for Twin Peaks Season 4. I want to see what happened at the end of that scream. <laughs> I want to know. Lynch said you don't have to know. Yeah, the third season was great. And, and Lynch said, you know, if, if this is all we get, this is all we get. And I, mm-hmm. I totally understand that. And I agree with it. To a point. But, I mean, it, it is my all-time favorite thing. I, I love Twin Peaks, and I just want to see more of it. Um, you, you know, Jack Nance could make an appearance because he's not dead in comics and it's just it's it's a it's a medium that that's tailor-made for things like this when you have uh human entities that have passed on and the uh the the creative forces of twin peaks are still very very vibrant and, and creatively active and twin peaks season four in comics mm-hmm. but i i admit totally selfish no, but that's cool. Like, like because there, there, that that idea is very. I mean, there's a precedent for that, right? There's like, like Buffy. You know, Buffy. Mm-hmm. Buffy is in continuity. You got the Star Treks. You got, you got your, you got your. I mean, there's definitely plenty of stuff that has been done in continuity, which, which uh, even for some. I mean, I think there was even like a, 
I know there was a Sons of Anarchy comic. Like I like I think yeah. the point is, is yeah, there, there's 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 certainly a um a oh, uh, Fight Club. What's that? Fight Club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. X Files. Oh yeah. Well, I mean uh, and they continued Buffy in, in comics. No, that's what I said. That's what it was my yeah. yeah. Um yeah, so no, that's, that's that works. that works. That works. Make it um, so my 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 next one is something that uh, again old heads are going to be like this has been done and, and yes it has but not in the way I'm talking about. So y'all know I love the undersea. You know that you know that I I I and I. You do. Given how like I'm I'm still amazed at how many. I mean you can't go into a comic store and not like be deluged with space comics. There are a trillion space comics like. Like every month, set in space, right? Like it's it's never ending, uh, and that's cool. Like I'm down for some of them, but you gotta. It is hard to find a, a comic focused on underwater, uh, and like the only one that really is the, out there is is Fathom, and like fuck a Fathom, like that's I'm taking uh, my hat off from Michael Turner. Yeah. God, God no, if there is a God, know, God I'm bless saying, him. But, but Michael Turner, I mean, they're, but I'm saying they're still making Fathom. They are, yes. And, and is, I think, for some... I think ridiculous, but... And it's crazy that Michael Turner has, like, new drawings. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> that that guy must have been... Every month. He must have been drawing constantly. And, and yeah, uh, yeah. And to be I, clear, I'm not like 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 Turner's original Fathom is cool, but like that's that that's not to me that that doesn't exist anymore. Like that. gotcha, like, right? But but what I'm getting at is um, twenty thousand leagues under the sea. Yeah, there have been a lot of comic adaptations of that story specifically. The existing Jules Verne story, uh, the eighteen seventy, <laughs> that's fucking old novel. Like that has been turned into comics many times, including probably most famously the Dell, uh, you know, the Gold Key stuff. Like, like, and oh, that's yeah. all cool, um, and like I'm for it. And obviously, the character has been featured in Alan Moore's work. Hell yeah, in League, in League right? Which is awesome. And like that's it's it's Alan Moore's work with him in League that really is the impetus for what I'm getting at, which is I would love a creative team to give us a nice run of a of a Captain Nemo comic. Just having fucking adventures in the ocean, dude. Like, balls deep. Like, just like we have adventures in space. You have different arcs. This is not complicated. This is probably the most commercially viable idea thrown out. Like, just... But, like, the character is, is Captain Nemo, and, and, and you can build from there, right? Have other 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 people in the ocean, other... Like, but just run with it, you know? Um, and I... I I can only conclude that there's not much of an interest for ocean stories because we don't get many, but but I would fucking love it. I would eat it up. You know, it is complete and utter bullshit that you're not a pulp fan because you let it you <laughs> you let it squeak out from time to time to time. You don't want to show your hand, but you are you're a damn pulp fan. You are. I don't care what you say, and I'm down with it. I would read a Captain Nemo comic. Woof. Yeah. Yeah. Sign me, sign me up. Your uh, yeah. lifetime subscription. Yeah. There was uh, a Power Records version too. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, I think uh, Buckler was the artist, actually. Yeah, and another one that doesn't get his props. Rich was really good. He was a he's Swiss a Army book. knife. He was. He was yeah. So what? But he was a Swiss Army knife. He was. Yep. He was uh, very. Uh, 
flexible, versatile, very, very good artist. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, next up. Uh, The great Rick Veach once did a comic called Rarebit Fiends, which was based solely on his dreams. He chronicled his dreams within the pages of, I think it ran for 22, 23 issues. Uh, It's a great comic. I loved every one of them, but um, I don't want to stop at dreams. I would love to see a comic series or genre based on the uh, reportage of those that have undergone psychedelic journeys. Now, uh, maybe a clinical type thing where um, the uh, source material comes from those that have volunteered to undergo some type of of, of test or a program in which they're, they're administered psychedelic substances and their dialogue is then recorded by whatever uh, uh, audio or someone there taking notes. I don't know. And then those those trips are later um, illustrated by someone with the ability to do so. So literally a trip report comic in which the psychedelic vistas and all of the details are captured and then later rendered in illustrative form. I think that would be a awesome and awesome uh, comic. Would be all right. What? Yeah, I'd be there for that. No, I'd totally be there. No, for that. I'm, I'm, I'm saying no. I'm, I'm cool with that. Because you did, you just did the mycelium. Um, yeah, comic. no, I'm saying that. No, I'm saying that's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not. You're, you're t- inter- no, I'm saying that would be cool. Fold outs, color. Black light mm-hmm. color, like you, you got to read the comic under a friggin' black light. That's awesome, right? 3D, bring back the old red and blue 3D glasses. Mm-hmm. Why not? I think it would be an event, one a year. Yeah. There you go. I gave you five, that's all I got. All right, last one I meant is a throwaway in the bunch. Adventures in Retail. <laughs> <laughs> I hear horror stories almost daily uh, from people who have worked in the retail environment. Mm-hmm. The, the things uh, that were said to them, the events surrounding irate customers, uh, especially on key days like Black Friday or you know, you know, notable days in the in the retail uh, calendar. And I think those things should be chronicled in in sequential form. I think it would make for a riotous comic. Uh, probably a very depressing comic, but but um, it would be a, an exposure of, of what drives humanity, like guys fighting over large screen TVs and punching babies and, and, you know, the things that you hear about in the news about Black Friday and, and certain things or, or experiences in, in which... Uh, 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 a retail worker uh, was caught in a looting situation. Just, I, I think it would be cool to, to you know, expose wide, bare humanity or a certain subset of humanity in in their their um, uh, worship of 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 the material. I think that would be a cool comic. But admittedly, 
that one would be. Or, or, or you could take it a little bit further. Adventures in retail, maybe adventures in fast food. Right. Oh, there could be, yeah, you could definitely looking like a former yeah. BK. BK. I mean, right. I, the the right. the retail that that one would concern me because I that would hit close to home. I I'd probably have flashbacks. I I'd, I'd be very. Well, right. I, that's the, the whole the, point, right? Say again. That's the whole point. Is is to get you to to um, maybe self examine or or relive these these painful incidents through this thing. <laughs> No, I listen. I there there are people who are absolutely um, cut out to work retail. Um, did my time, and it's it absolutely serves purpose. And I you know tip my hat to everybody who puts up with all the fucking Karens and Chads every fucking day. And and I really see you're proving my point. <laughs> I, I, yeah, and and yes, listen. No, there, I'm sure there's going to be some very entertaining stories. There's there's definitely going to um, it. It would make for some very entertaining reading. Uh, right. You could have an issue focused on a lifer, a guy, a guy or a woman that's been in retail for twenty twenty five years, or you could have uh, a newbie. Who suddenly got a job at uh, J.C. Penney and had a bad experience and like fuck it, I'm out and this is why, you know? It was me, bro. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think it it, it would it, in terms of you know storytelling, there there's a, a gazillion avenues you could take down or take yes. with with this this you know fist fights or or uh, shoplifter. Uh, incidents like the, w- wow it's 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 cool i i would read it again not a top 50 book but i think uh in the right hands it could be fun and, be, yes yeah, yeah. Fun, fun is definitely and i'm sure yeah I, I, i'm sure there's probably some some artist in artist alley who has a mini comic of of his time you know tending bar or being a waiter or working retail. Um, Dude, my colostomy bag so... story would be an issue in itself. I told that you the, I told you that story, right? Yeah. The, the Burger Long King. Time ago, but yeah. yeah, Burger King colostomy bag. The, later. Oof. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I, this isn't, <clears throat> excuse me. It, um, I thought of it after, um, Jason was talking about his uh, erotica theme, but um, I just it, it was and then no, it was weird. It was just you know like illustrated penthouse forum letters and shit like that. But there are there there are just certain things that uh, this was this was an absolute this is wonderful to listen to as someone who was here as it was happening. I, I had a we blast. need to get you highest highest fuck and then let you come up with your ideas seriously. Yeah, that, okay. that that will happen, <laughs> sir. Nice. Speaking of uh, of, of sharing ideas, <laughs> um, we are two weeks away from seeing each other, gentlemen. How about that? When Sneaks when up, when people, it's fucking does when people as people are hearing this, we are uh, 
Today is Wednesday the 17th. We will be together Wednesday the 1st. It's insane. Yeah, and, and our flight on Thursday morning is very early, so we can't I, have a late, I figured it would be. Wednesday. Yeah. But see, that's the thing. Are we not doing an episode? Well, no, I was going to say, so I bring it up on the air because uh, I know we talked about it. I don't know that we've announced it officially. We are going to do our November book of the month, which is Transmet Volumes 1 and 2. Uh, but we're going to do the episode on December 1st, which is Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, because we're all going to be together. We thought it'd be fun. Uh, so people will be able to hear it on December 2nd or I guess super late December 1st. Uh, but that doesn't mean we're not going to do a December book of the month. We will, it's not like yeah. we're trying to skip a month. It's just that, uh, we're just shifting a little bit so that we can be together and, and all that good stuff. And, and also the, the week before is, is, is Thanksgiving week. So we, we weren't sure a, if how we were going to coordinate that and be, uh, if people felt like listening to comics podcast on Thursday, the 25th, since it's Turkey day. Yeah. So, so here's the transmit. Book of the month. It was great. All right, we're out. <laughs> See you. Well, no, we just can't. I mean, we'll, we'll work out those logistics, but I mean, we just need to record earlier to when you guys arrive versus like right eleven o'clock. Later. Yeah, yeah. No, you, so. you're, you're right. Okay, that was fun. Um, that was fun. Thank you. Good idea. All right, I'm looking at our lists, and there is something that we all have read. Nice. Yeah, I didn't update my list. Sorry. What the hell, man? I'm sorry. Uh, let's get into it because I was blindsided by this book. I I got the first. Well, I got this volume at um, New York Comic Con. Yes, you did. It was. It is. Of all the things that weekend, it is one of the things I am jealous. Of that, that 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 you scored, I think I paid like seven bucks. Yeah, and I, I I thumbed through it that night when we got back to Jason's, and I fell in love with it. I, I say blindsided because I didn't know what it was about. I didn't know the hook behind it when I bought it. I just said, "Oh, this Ed Luce's stuff. His his drawing style is amazing. I love it. I love the way this guy draws. I love." The clean. Uh, he reminds me a little bit, a little bit, of Howard Cruz in like yes, the, the right, yes. the, the clean line and a little bit of his yes. yeah, and the, the the way he does hair and and the uh, not stippling, but his his line work is 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 not close, but it it evokes Howard Cruz, and that's appropriate, right? Considering the the main character in this book is gay and unabashedly so doesn't care which is awesome but i'm getting ahead of myself we all read ed luce's waffable oaf indeed and i i was just going to say for those that that i know sometimes we talk about books that are hard to get um especially if they're more the indie. This book, uh, you can get the entire collection on Comicsology Unlimited if you are uh, a member of that. Oh, that's great. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's why I read it so fast. I, I saw you both said you were reading it, and I so I thought, oh, I don't own it. 
but uh, I looked and I in fact do own it because I have Comicology Unlimited. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. when when uh, when the not the most recent that just passed, but a few weeks ago when um, when Fantagraphics had their sale, I figured all right, I'll finally get it, and um, and then Vince has talked talked about you know he was going to read it for that week and i'm like well then i'm not going to get the book in time so i'm not i'll I'll just i'll hold off and order it next time and um or there's just no rush to get it right this minute um and then vince said, shut, shut your that. goddamn mouth and get yeah, it yeah <laughs> so i did i ordered it and i ordered the follow-up uh blooded metal but, yeah um i have that I as well that tonight no no because i didn't get very far into it but it's it's smaller physically it's 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 a smaller size it, it's more of your traditional um hardcover comic size book but uh but no but but getting back to our introduction to lovable oaf take it away no i i uh just to to dwell on the the design and production of this book you've really got to give it up to fanographics because they go all out with their their uh product and even even though it's a black and white book there are instances in which uh pink shows up uh within the black and white artwork and if you look at our uh featured image for this episode it may be very reminiscent of of what's going on within the pages of uh wovable oaf because i i use the pink ant accent color on black and white line art because i'm that's how I, I roll. But anyway, uh, and it, it is a hardcover. It's a big honking book. Thick. Uh, just beautiful in, in uh, production and design. But the, uh, the, the, the hook is that um, Oath is, is a, um, I guess, in the nomenclature of, of the people, he's a bear. <laughs> I'd, yes, I'd say that's bear. right, yeah. Yes. yes. He's, he's a very... Her suit, husky. He well bigger than husky. He's a friggin' man mountain. He's giant, and he's got bulges in certain places that that uh, are pretty awesome. Um, but he's he's a teddy bear. Uh, if, if the average person saw Oaf on the street, and it happens in the book, they would be they would be very afraid of this man. But it is so far from the truth because the 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 man has a a just gigantic heart and he he loves kittens he has what 24 of them 27 of them he's got a, a a bunch of kittens and he loves to cuddle with his kittens um i said he's her suit there are parts in the book where he shaves himself he shaves his body and collects the hair and he makes these little dolls these little, mm-hmm. these little stuffed animals filled with his, with his body hair, <laughs> and and then he he the 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 little stuffed animals find homes through a friend of of his who owns uh, uh is the owner of a storefront. Um, uh, but the, it's really cool that Oaf can grow his hair back at will. <laughs> it's one of his powers. He, there's there's a three panel spread and that's our featured image where he's he's constant he shaved his body and he's concentrating and he pops all his body hair back, but um, the the uh, 
the main I don't know the main story, but the 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 uh, constant thread that that weaves its way through uh, Wovable Oaf is that Oaf sees a man uh, from a distance, and and just immediately he's smitten by this man. And uh, the man's name's Eiffel, and Eiffel is the lead singer of a band. What's the band's name? No, you tell them the band's name because I can't say it without <laughs> laughing. Why, why, why can't you say? Why can't you say Ejaculoid? <laughs> because it's stupid <laughs> funny. <laughs> the band's name is Ejaculoid, and uh, it takes some doing. And there's a there's a, a bunch of missed opportunities and and cross paths and and just. Um, Things go awry, but eventually, I don't, I don't want to spill the beans because I think you should you should read this book for yourself. Um, Oaf's um, desires are somewhat fulfilled. Eiffel is is uh, I mean, aside from Oaf, Eiffel is my favorite character in the book. Yeah, I I, I don't know what it is. I'm drawn to him. I, I don't know what it is about this this smallish man. He's a firecracker. Yeah, uh, compared to everybody else, but uh, he's his his he has a commanding presence. I love I love the five o'clock shadow. I love the way Ed draws the character's face, um, always looking like he's scowling and and just taking charge of the situations and um, and his infatuation with the, well infatuation is not the right word, but his his uh, he's a big Harry King fan. Yeah, Eiffel gives. Nor takes fucks though. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I love about him. Yeah, he's although he's, he is he is very um, accommodating slash forgiving to Oaf because Oaf does things that uh, I mean not knowingly, but Oaf does things that Eiffel obviously would not be in the mood it in it up to or or he wouldn't cotton to these things uh, from anyone else. But there is something special about Oaf, and um, it 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 helps the reader appreciate the, watching this relationship. Yeah, but I think the 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 most revealing character uh, bit in the book was when Oaf first sees Eiffel, and he's like, "Oh, look at that little surly man! Wow, he's he's fucking mad. He could use a cuddle." And and Eiffel's just like, look at that big freaking oaf across the street. What a <laughs> what a jerk. The neighborhood's going to hell, and uh, what is happening? And it just shows you that oaf is just this fount of optimism. He's he errs on the side of good nature and 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 compassion, and just he's a good soul. And Eiffel's just kind of like he, he's a tough nut to crack, but when you crack him. There's a there, the meat is 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 tasty and and good for you and I'm murdering this this analogy but whatever um, I, I just think it that page just delineates the difference between Eiffel and Oaf just perfectly um, and the one of the recurring uh, subplots that I love is Pavel yes Oaf has a cat. Um, Scottish fold. Yeah, named named Pavel. And 
this little critter is, is seriously disturbed. <laughs> there's there's really something wrong with this cat. Uh, he's prone to nightmarish visions of, well, if you want to see the nightmarish visions, just go to our website, 11oclockcomics.com. I have uh, captured this double-page spread for you. And it is... It is a thing of beauty, but it is scary as hell. And uh, poor Pavel. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, this book, as a music fan, this book speaks to me in that respect, where um, the, the the sequence where Oaf is filling up the, the doll skins with his hair, and he's singing the Misfits. He's singing Brains. Oi, oi, oi! And there's a, a Motley Crue reference and there's a well there's a ton of music references in this thing um but uh, end of the day uh it, it it's an, an examination of 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 two beings uh with feelings for each other one of which is a giant uh, hairy hulking man and the other is a feisty little punk rock singing dude i mean it, it, it it's a love story it, it, it came from left field i i i i probably still would have bought it had i known the the hook but um it it just delineates a world that i'm not entirely a part of but it's fascinating to me right did you guys feel the same way like the, the, a lot of this book is strange territory for me yeah, I mean, I was first introduced to this uh, when I went to Isotope in San Francisco and hung out with uh, uh, Ron and uh, and uh, the Isotope crew. And, and James, James is in the book also. Yeah, mm-hmm. J- J- James had the mini comics uh, at the time and uh, was showing them to me. And I leafed through them at the, at the store, and I thought, oh, that you know looks clever, but I didn't, I didn't. I didn't pick them up. Um, so I've been aware of it for a long time, but yeah, I never really dove into it. And uh, like I said, I just did it sort of on a whim because you guys had done so. And um, it's a really, really easy, fast read, right? Like it's, it's like it, it's, it's very, uh, I, I didn't know it was going to be so um, uh, like, very very just like pleasing like good-natured you know i didn't oh I didn't it's extremely know. good-natured yeah yeah like i didn't know i didn't know that about the book uh i i, I don't know that i had an opinion one way or the other but i just but you dive in and it's just like you said it's even though it's a setting that we're not probably per, you know personally familiar with in terms of the way we've lived our lives uh it does illustrate the i mean it's easy it, anyone that reads this can find commonality because it is like you said ultimately a story of a person who's looking for love right and yeah. and and a journey i mean that's really what it is at its heart it's a romance comic and uh and uh yeah it's really well done i mean i, I love Luz's cartooning style like you said i mean the cats are hilarious and creepy uh you know it's like it's it's definitely like there are creepy parts of the book for sure uh, but not like cringe, like how am I reading this creepy? Um, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Like I said, it was a, it, it, it was a breeze through it. It was super fast to read it. I and uh, uh, you know, and uh, I guess 
I don't like. Did you guys get like a, a Bill Z vibe from it at all, or like, like a, a comic, like a comic book bear who loves music? Like I was like a little bit, did but not, did you not kind of be like, oh, this, this, this is like if they made the movie, Bill Z would be the yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have to admit, uh, every page, I thought Caleb would love this if he hasn't read it. Right. Like I, I, I just thought yeah. of Caleb the whole time. Sure. And and you know what it it's it, it it's somewhat cringeworthy to say, oh yes, my gay friend would love this, but uh, the, the at the at the center of this book, it doesn't matter that Oaf and Eiffel are, are both men. It, that's the point. I, I think that it, it's a world populated by people who enjoy be well for the most part enjoy being around each other. Um, and they just so happen to be the same gender. Like, so what? And that, that I, I, I have to admit, I, I think there's more emotion, just honest, raw, heartfelt emotion in this book than a lot of the stuff I've read this year. Mm, and yeah. and I, I'm, I'm glad I, I, I picked it up. Uh, yes, it helped that it was seven bucks, but I ordered the second one. And it, it, I mean, music and wrestling and and great like great cartooning great character studies this is a really good book yeah uh, i mean go ahead there's an action figure line just dying to be made from this book yeah maybe vinyls i think these characters work well in vinyl um yeah. and loose is smart like the, the wrestling angle holy crap what can't you do with that mm mm-hmm. mhm and there's, there's there's cameos at the wazoo, whether it's you know Ned Flanders and and, and Zangief, and I, there's just or, fucking I, Zod. Yes, yes, <laughs> and, and Ursa, and, and and oh, and Ursa's going to talk about how oh, you know, oh, okay, so, so they're going at it again. I mean, a puck, yeah, during the midget wrestling, it it's it's absolutely, um, and I I I love that that Luce does that trick with. Um, with all the characters, because nobody sounds the same, everybody speaks with a different font. And and it just, I, so, I, so you I, always know when someone's talking, if they're off panel. Um, and and it's just, and because there are so many characters in here, the the, the typefaces just go on yeah. forever. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's amazing. Everybody's just so unique. But no, the, the art's absolutely fantastic. I mean, and there's, there are moments where you know you you are concerned because here comes Ham, who's um, a, a, a chef and restaurant owner, and 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 he's still in love with Eiffel, and um, of course he's jealous of of Ove spending time with and and it, and and that whole thing, and you and you're concerned about it. And you don't know, you know, any typical any other story, you know, would play out would play out in a different way and and, and a predictable way. And and here you you don't get that. And the same thing, you know. Yes, because everybody in the book is pretty much gay. You don't also have. We don't have any time. There's no chapters in this book where you know anybody is concerned or conflicted or or trying to wrestle with with their own sexual identity. This is these are these characters. This is what it is. And and these are who these characters are. And and the the book is a. Um, it's it's pretty much a collection of it's it's not an anthology but it is it's it's a collection of um it's not 
it reads straight through like one long story, but but it is broken up between with with different chapters and and Ove's dating life early on and uh, some unfortunate daily dating life. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, but but you know you do you do get familiar with the other people that uh, that Ove comes in contact with, like Lil Papa, who who adopted him, and um, and the rest of the band members of Jackie Lloyd, and and there's just there's there's a whole lot in this book to enjoy. There's and and if you're like Jason and you're an Ohatmu fan. There's something for you. In the oh book. yeah, 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 so, yeah. I mean, it's it, lots of Ohatmu pages. I absolutely, absolutely recommend this. I mean, it didn't come out this year, so it's not eligible for for Oracle Oscars. But it, it, uh, I, it, I'm keeping an eye on out for Ed's future work, and oh, same. I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely um, just based on these, just based on this book. But then, of course, with Blood and Metal, whatever he's working on from here on out, I'm, yeah. I'm, keeping an eye out one page i have to say made me just almost lose my shit and you you alluded to it it's the the 2012 bay area championship for mustaches and beards page uh-huh yeah when the guy has the homosexual tendency shirt and it's yes. in su- the suicidal font but the yeah. thing that almost made me shit my pants was when they're introducing the judges and he says, and lastly, our oh, only yes. our only female judge, who I'm told knows quite a bit about beardom herself, Miss Betty Cooper. <laughs> and friggin' <laughs> <laughs> that is hysterical, man. It is. Uh, it's a riot. Uh, yeah, I'm so so happy I bought this book. Yeah, I, but and the the here's here's the the double edged sword of finding a discount at a Comic Con. Uh, yeah, I paid seven bucks for this, but now I'm in the hole for everything that Ed Luce ever does after this. So, (laughs) was it really a bargain? I don't know. A great, great book. Yeah. I give it ten stars. Ten. Ten out of ten. Yeah. All the stars. Snap it up, flip it. All right. Where are we going after this? You want to bring it home? You want to keep going? It's true. We are going to Seattle, but I mean, in terms of the the confines of this episode, <laughs> where are we going? <laughs> um, well, I'll, uh, I'll I'll touch quickly on uh, why I introduced myself as Sam Dunes, <laughs> uh, and that is because um, we had a. Uh, fairly large announcement uh, a couple months back where Scott Snyder left uh, comics, mainstream comics to focus on his own uh, publishing house that is tied into Comixology. Um, we talked about it when the news broke, Best Jacket Press. And uh, kind of alluding to Vince's point about how web comics are still a hard sell sometimes, um, I had been heretofore unaware that uh, those comics had already started hitting comicsology until there was a discussion in our Slack. I believe Brian Clark was the first one to mention it about asking, hey, have any of you all read any of these yet? What do you think? So uh, to the bat phone I ran and pulled up my iPad and uh, and gave uh, all of the, the best jacket books that are out so far a read. Um, 
and that amounts to five issues. We've got uh, we've got two issues of Clear, which is where uh, the character of uh, of uh, Sam Dunes is. We've got uh, one issue of Night of the Ghoul and two issues of We Have Demons. Um, high level, really, really impressed. Um, all of all of those series are written by uh, by, by Schneider, uh, drawn different collaborators. Uh, we have Demons is his Poppy Capullo partnership. Uh, Night of the Ghoul is with Francesco Francovia, and uh, Clear is Francis Manipul. Uh, all like, excellent, excellent artists in their own right, certainly. Um, thought they were all great, man. I really did, and I, I think my my favorite, probably at least in the very early going, is Clear. Um, and the premise is it's set in the future. There are um, the way the world is gone. Basically, uh, everybody walks around uh, with essentially a skin around on the world, right? So. Um, like the whole, like matter, there's a physical reality, but everybody sees the reality differently. Uh, you can see it like a cartoon. You can see it like 1940 sock hop. You can see it like a, a version of the future from your head. You can see it like a zombie apocalypse. However you want to see it, you can see it. Um, and it's like many things. It's really about an opiate of the masses as a result. Like, it's not like it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's basically just, people are existing in this realm now and um and and the the premise of this is that the star of the book is uh and this is based in san francisco future san francisco is sam dunes who is a, a private eye and there's very much a noir feel in that regard like he's you know the the private dick with the office and he's got the femme fatale who he's doing a case for and and clearly it seems like she's going to have more to the story than than just being someone that hires him and um and 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 it's called clear because clear refers to if you're one of the very few people that opt not to have a skin uh, uh, that that paints the world for you, and uh, and and Dunes is one of those people, and there's reasons for that which I won't get into because you find out in the book that there's reasons why he chooses not to uh, to adopt uh, an alternate reality of what's going on around him, and I just thought that it was so well executed, uh, and 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 Manip- you know, I haven't seen Manipul's art in a long time. He he was certainly at his peak at DC, and I wasn't reading his stuff. I think probably his most famous run was he wrote he he drew, and then I think wrote and drew uh, the Flash, um, right. Uh, and I saw some art of that, but I didn't read it. And, and so I've always thought he was a great looking artist, but I haven't read a lot of his work. Um, but there's a, a passage from clear, which I was so good. I thought, holy shit. And I screenshotted it because I'm like, this is fucking like, it, it was such a poignant examination of, of, of the world that we're in now. Right. And, and by the way, you know, talk about timely, we've got, we've got companies like Roblox that are trading at a hundred billion dollars and talking about the metaverse. We've got Facebook changing its name to meta and, and, and talking about, gloves that have haptic feedback that make you feel and spit, you know, in the VR world and stuff like, like this world is people are trying to make all of that a reality, you know, not going to happen tomorrow, but, but in the next five to 10 years, we're going to, there's going to be a component of life where you can pretty much escape and live this world. Um, and, and the thing I, I, I loved is it's, is the protagonist says, uh, he's explaining why he, he doesn't use these skins. 
and he says, you know, everything old is run down, everything new is made drab and plain on purpose. It's designed to be failed. They call it fails. Um, the warnings were always about some apocalyptic future, something cataclysmic, acute. But no one warned us that it'd be this, just slow and steady decline. Things cost more. It takes three months to get a washing machine or anything from overseas. There's news of the world if you want it, but no one wants it. Maybe the East is flooding again. Maybe the South is fighting. We have robots that do the jobs we don't want to do and veils that hide what we don't want to see. The veil industry is 70% of the economy at this point. So here we are, a future that isn't some primal scream of horror, but a billion little size, a fucking shrug. And I was knocked on my ass. I'm like, that is, like, Snyder gets it. Like, that's how the world is going to go. Like, we're not going to all blow up in some grand World War Three, and we're not going to, we're not all going to have our 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 skin flayed off of us from global warming because that's going to take too long. I'm like, we're going to just become more and more an opiate of the masses, where everybody sees and experiences reality the way that they want, and like it's going to be totally disconnected from like my reality is going to be disconnected from your reality, and uh, there will be some that that rise above that and probably rule <laughs> rule the world as a result. But but most people will be more than content to just plug in and live their mundane lives in a way that gives them peace and comfort. And I thought, damn, like I got to get Schneider's on this shit. And you know, the best sci-fi is I think based in uh, a critique of the world that we're living in, in the moment, you know, right. Like, like obviously in the fifties, that might've been, uh, there might've been some that was failed around the idea of like totalitarian governments or communism or, uh, or disease, or things like that, or, or or computers, because we didn't understand them, and and it's evolved into what we're fearful of now. And I just thought this book was really well done. But the main draw is 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 Manipal's art, because again, if you think about what the setting is, right, it's it's a world where every person is seeing the physical reality that we live in differently. And Manipal, it's just that's a perfect thing for a comic book, because on the page you're seeing like a scene of a city. But you're seeing Manipal draw different different pockets of that page in completely different ways. Uh, it's not like J.H. Williams level where it almost looks like it's impossible that he was able to render it. But it's so awesome to see it done in a comic page where on one corner of the scene it's a Looney Tunes style cartoon image. On the, on the next part it looks like a 1940s noir. On the next part it looks like uh, some digital video game and it's like it's so wonderfully done and only could be done in comics it's something that's only it's perfect for comics to render it that way so uh two big thumbs up for clear uh for sure the other two are also very strong i won't go in i won't go into those long but you know the franco via one vince probably the one you dig the most it's it's basically the premise is um a, a man is obsessed with a uh, current, it's said in the current times. A man and his son go to an old age home and find this decrepit old man who who the the the, the father believes is uh, using a suit a fake name, but in reality he is a uh, a a former TV uh, uh, movie producer, and he's trying to find him has been for some time because to his mind this movie producer created what is widely believed in the the world of, 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 of film fandom to be the greatest horror film ever made, but it was never released. And he wants to know about it because he's seen pieces of the horror film. He found, he found film footage of it, but he hasn't seen all of it. 
And this person who he thinks is the director, he's there to confront him about this and find out the deal. Uh, and, and things go very awry very quickly. I'll put it that way. <laughs> it's, it's a pure horror book. Like that was a pure horror book. And then the, uh, the last is, is, um, is we have demons, which is probably the one that's got the most commercial. Like that's probably the one that's gotten the most press. Cause it's the Schneider and Capullo, right? The Batman team. Um, and that's pretty solid. Like, like, I mean, I enjoyed it for sure and I'll keep reading it, but, but it's a little more like the premise is just that it's a world where there is really good and evil. There are demons and, and, and angels. And, um, we we meet a girl who has been pulled into the remnants of the angels fighting the good fight uh, because her father was in the group and he has passed on. Um, so, you know, that one to me, the strength in that one is very much Capullo's art and, and the way he's drawing the demons and the monsters and stuff like that. That's the draw for me. That story feels a little, little more like rote and, I've kind of been there before, so I like at least to this point. I feel like I don't really feel surprised or titillated by the the plot of that one very much, but uh, but but beautifully drawn. So so huge huge thumbs up to to Comicsology and Schneider for and really auspicious start. And we've got ironically the stuff that 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 has been announced but hasn't hit the hit hit the Comicsology app yet is the stuff I'm most excited for. The Barnstormers book with Tula Lote is coming. I think next month and uh and panosian's uh canary is coming uh next month which by the way is is a um is a western horror book so so that might scratch the itch that i was talking about earlier in the episode so big big fans of of all of it and you can get it all on comiXology for free if you're a unlimited subscriber or you can you can buy these like you would any digital comic hmm i'd like to read them when they're on paper they're going to be. They're going I, to be. I, I believe, I, so. I believe yeah. Dark Horse is doing it, right? I think it's a yes. what? Dark Horse, yeah. Really? Yeah. That's a nice feather in Dark Horse's cap. They they need it. Yeah, I think they like I I, I, I so, some our listeners may correct me if I'm wrong, I but I'm pretty sure Dark Horse and Comicsology came up with a partnership. So like the default is going to be that the easiest path for Comicsology original stuff will be to be printed at Dark Horse. I'm down for I mean, all. It of them. seems to that because I know when um, when Roberson came up with his digital imprint, uh, High Crimes was was a dark horse book. I think Bandette was. Uh, I I mean, one or two may have gone to IDW, but I believe when it came time to print the the Monkey Brain digital books, that they they were pretty much done at Dark Horse. So I don't. Yeah, know. I just. I just yeah because I, I remembered we because we do get deluge with the uh, with the press stuff uh, we did get a we, I looked on my email we did get a announcement last year or I guess when it became official September of 2020 it was announced that Dark Horse will be the uh, this, the the exclusive distributor of Comicsology originals in graphic novel and print collections so so Good that would also you, include the um, the Lemire Jock book. Yeah, that's already yeah that that's already been announced as being yeah that's coming yep yeah it says it'll it it um yep it's it's including like it says uh, Marley's Ghost the Stone King uh, Afterlift which is the Zdarsky book um, yeah it's got it looks like it includes includes them all pretty much so in, including oh, the Snyder stuff so. I want the Snyder stuff good job. Yeah, listen, listen. You know, I have kind of like I know, but but I gotta say, like fair is fair. Like he's he is a very good writer, and and I 
I really do. Uh, I, I think he's three for three out of the gates, and I, knowing Tulu Lute and and Pinosian as we do, I'm I know at a minimum those books are going to look amazing. So he could have he could be five for five, which is a fucking hell of a hit rate for a uh, for launching your own imprint. Yep, three sizes. My heart just got bigger. There you go. Mm. Merry yeah. Christmas, early Christmas present. Thank you so much. And I'll give you a Christmas present too. DCBService.com. Yep. List of specials. They're up. You'll save some stuff on this these books. Um, I'm sure all of them will be great. From Boom, Cursed Pirate Girl, Devil's Cave number one, $4.99. Bad Kids Press, Frank and Rocker, and the Jailbait Punks number one of four. It's a miniseries. $2.49. And from our good friends at Fantagraphics, it's Squatrant number four. Learn something. Sixteen ninety nine cover price. Your price twelve dollars and seventy four cents. I have two things. One's really quick. If you are a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan, who's not, then uh, this is me on my knees with my hands all folded, pleading to you to please pick up a copy of the Last Ronin Design Archive. Because it uh, contains Kevin Eastman's sketches and uh, brainstorming notes for character studies, equipment, vehicle, environment. Like everything that you see in The Last Ronin, he has flushed it out in sketches. And it's uh, non-repro blue, accented. It's a really good looking book. Uh, It's just basically a bunch of sketches. Uh, but if you're a process junkie, like uh, David and myself, especially as re- in regards to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the man, Kevin Eastman, you're going to want to pick this up. It's pretty awesome. So go get that. And Jason talked about this book a while back, and I just got around reading it. It is written and illustrated by Jacques Tardy, published again by Fanographics. It is Farewell, Brundavan. Did I get it right? I think it's Brundavan, but I don't fucking know. I don't speak. That's not my language. <laughs> oh, I'm going to say, oh, I, I did a little bit of searching. And I think the the uh, first part of it is Brun. Brundavan. Nice. Well, there you go. Yeah, whatever. But uh, I'm, I'm just going to forego telling you about the story. It, it's basically a series of unfortunate events re- regarding this dandy of a man named Brundavan. Uh, but the real joy here is, again, it is a Jacques Tardy book. So the art is just spectacular. Um, the locales are amazing. First of all, I, I, again, to give it up to Fantagraphics, the book is just gorgeous. There's... Um, Foil leaf printed on the cover in addition to the the uh, the illustrations. It's hardcover, of course, large format. It is just an amazing uh, visual treat. But once you crack it open and you look at Tardy's cartooning, God, I love this man. Uh, if you threw a bunch of concepts into a hat and pulled them out... Um, near death by biplane and rampaging gorilla sidekick. (laughs) 
okay, uh, diminutive uh, villain in disguise, um, masked assassin peering in through the window, uh, beautiful architecture. The architecture is impeccable in this book. Um, it is a feast for the eyes. The story is very slight, which is why, I, and admittedly so, like in, in the introduction, uh, who does the intro? There is an intro, right? Yes. Uh, oh, God, I'm going to butcher this, but I'll try. Ben, Benoit Mouchard did the intro and uh, said that, you know, the, basically the story secondary in this. It, it's all a vehicle for Tardy to do what he does best. And if you've listened to this show for any period of time, you know we love our Tardy. And we've talked at length about Adele Blanc-Sec. Well, uh, farewell, Brundevan has a link to Adele Blanc-Sec. There's some crossover there. If that makes you happy, then whatever. Uh, I hope it does. But this book is a, just a... I, I, I was giddy. My, my heart sung. It, it takes a lot to make my heart sing, but usually it involves art, right? But I love Tardy's depiction of old people because he does not pull any punches. These people have uh, bumps where there shouldn't be. Their skin, their faces look like they're 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 consuming their own bodies. Like their mouths are so. Uh, the the lines that he uses to depict their mouths it looks like they're inhaling their own skin like they're it's it's gross as hell and it's se- almost secondary because then Tardio have a, a character just retelling an event smoking a cigar and it looks so goddamn real but it's just lines on paper that's all it is but the guy's a master at his craft and so he has bedazzled me. I don't want to use that word. Maybe not, because it, I think of goofy jackets when I think of that. He has bewitched me. He's in, I'm enthralled when I look at Tardy's line work. And um, it, there's a the, the way the stories pan out is a bit weird because um, some of the stories should have been presented in a different order. Um judging by the outcome of some of them. But maybe that's the way Tardy intended it. I don't know. Uh, I just think it's a it's a virtuoso performance by an amazing craftsman. So if you have 20 bucks or less, get uh, Jacques Tardy's Farewell Brundevan because it's amazing. Nice. Back me up, Jason. Uh, Tell them. Well, yeah, I mean... No like sign. Yeah, I mean, I, I I spoke on it. So, but yes, for those that don't remember the episode, I I definitely thought it was great. I, I, I but but I did put the caveat that that it it is great in its own way. But it's uh, and, and we 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 kind of talked about this on that episode, which is that say like it is of its time, and and there are definitely uh, some certainly some insensitive stereotypes. Oh, yeah. In yeah. It, for sure. And I just wanted to be people fully aware of that because, like, it's it, you know, it uh, like you got to know what you're getting into. Much like uh, you know, other 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 comic creators of, of their of, of its time. It, it so yeah, just to so just be you know, if, if you can go and open minded to that and just take it for what it was of the period, then cool. If 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 you're not tr- trying to be about those kind of stories, regardless of when they were made, then this maybe isn't for you. Yeah, it's not exactly politically correct. 
No, no. Right. But the, the sitting on the pylons, oh, I would love to have seen that. Like I mean, in, in, Tardis is just an absolute art god. I mean. Yes. Yes. Mm. It's true. Uh, I've two number ones. Um, not going to go too deep in either. I just, one I really had, um, I was looking forward to, and I really enjoyed the other one. I just want to make sure people check it out. Um, but the first is by two creators that I'm not familiar with. It's a, uh, it's a new image series. It's a mini series. It's called the thing called truth. Um, Yolanda Zanferdino is your writer and letterer. Uh, Elisa Romboli is the series artist and, um, and the art style, um, Elisa style reminds me of Joelle Jones and, and that's in the preview pages when I saw it a few months ago, that's what really had me interested because, um, the females are very attractive and they have that, that Joelle Jones kind of, uh, kind of feel to them. But as far as the first issue goes, it's not, you're not getting the whole story or which is fine, but your first, I mean, you hit the ground running, but, but we quickly, um, back up, uh, a day or two and, and we're introduced to, um, Dr. Uh, Magdalene Traumer, who's a, who's a scientist and, and she's got a breakthrough and, um, and she's, you know, leaving the office for the day, uh, gets home to a mountain of bills and, and past due notices, um, her apartment's kind of a mess because she basically is in her office all day, uh, ends up crashing on the couch, but her ex-husband calls and, and he's hounding her for the, to sign a divorce papers and, um, he's moved on with his life and, and, and he's with a woman who is pregnant. And, um, so he's dumping her, his baggage onto Mag and, uh, she basically, he's, he's, he's upset with her because she never really lived life. And, and she just focused on, on the work. She goes to work the next day. Her badge isn't letting her into the building. So she parks on the street and, goes to security they're like yeah um you uh you resigned yesterday and you know as the reader you saw all this not happen so you figure they're, they're fucking gaslighting her um so there's some shady shit going on in the pharmaceutical company where where she did work um so she goes to the bar gets fucking shit-faced and um, buys rounds and lifts up her shirt and she's just trying to live the life that she hasn't been living um, gets thrown at the bar goes to sleep it off in her car and then she wakes up in the backseat of the car that's now moving and some blonde woman is driving it and this is where I guess the, 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 the adventure is going to take us and um, hopefully Mag's situation will, um, or some justice will be had. 
for the wrong that she's facing and or, or that or, or that she's dealing with. Um, but we're not introduced to the blonde driver in the first issue. We do get preview pages for the second issue. Her name is Dorian. Um, and uh, not quite sure what her deal is yet and, and why she picked this car to... And she didn't hotwire anything. She didn't steal the car. The keys were in the front seat while Mag was sleeping in the back. So, um, again, I'm guessing I'll find out. We'll find out more in the next issue. But I thought, art-wise, this was this was a lot of fun. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of hooked now. I got to see where this is going. They're, they're leaving you hanging at the end of the first issue, and I mean, in the first issue kicks off with just a whole lot of shit going on like it's a grand theft auto chase scene and and uh and yeah it it's i'm just i'm really interested in seeing how how this all plays out so um that's the first thing i think whole truth definitely recommend that but the other thing is um walter mosley wrote a comic book and the comic book that he wrote stars and petunia's favorite blue-eyed thing and it's illustrated by tom riley with art by um with the color art by uh Jordi Belair. But uh the next big thing, part one, um you know, Tom's after reading, you know, Human Target by Smallwood last week and um you know Riley's kind of Tom's in that little he's 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 kind of got some Greg Smallwood, some Chris Somney. I'm 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 just I, I We've been a fan of, of, of his work for a while now, and I mean, I'm looking at the Superman Lobo commission he did, and 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 there was that the Astro Hustle book that unfortunately didn't finish. Um, but big fan of Tom, really like his take on the thing, and I'm not, and and I, I'm not going to give too much away as far as the story goes, but um, Mosley, who uh, we're fans of his in this house. My wife has read pretty much most of his catalog. Devil in the Blue Dress is one of our favorite movies. Um, I am curious to see if he has more uh, superhero work in him um, following this. This this kind of takes place. This isn't the current I don't think this coincides with, with, with whatever Slot's doing with Fantastic Four. I don't know if um, I don't think uh, Ben and Alicia are even married in this, but um, but Tom's art style is fitting for a story taking place um, in in a certain era. Um, but I really dug it a lot. But yeah, it, it's another one where you know it's I got to kind of wait and see how the next couple of issues uh, or the next issue at least um continues the story because there's both first issues give you enough there where you want to know where it's going and and you want to come back um so you're going to have some questions but it it, neither one i finished them i felt like well you know i didn't get anything out of this and and why i just you know spend this time reading these 20 odd pages i enjoyed both number ones a lot both completely different uh, both recommended. So, in your travels, I think all truth and the thing.
I love the Toms on that book. Yes, me too. Right? Because like you said, I mean, he got, he was young when he broke in and unfortunately, you know, got derailed yeah. through no fault of his own. So it's yeah. nice that he's, I mean, he's still probably ridiculously young. Like, I feel like he's like 21 or something. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, younger. <laughs> yeah. Um, in your travels, uh, first of all, I want to tell you to watch something, and uh, uh, it's it's not duck because there's a new Marvel cartoon, uh, but it's not on Disney. It's uh, on Hulu, which is a little confusing because they're all kind of the same company. But you know, but but uh, but nevertheless, it's on Hulu, so you need to have that. And it's called Hit Monkey. Um, you know, full disclosure, I, I've never been par- partial to the character on the comics so it's it wasn't like the character itself wasn't going to be a draw for me but um but it's uh if there is a star of the moment in the world of hollywood it would be jason sudeikis uh <laughs> aka ted lasso um which i haven't watched i'm like the only person on the earth apparently hasn't watched that but uh but my wife loves it and i know dab likes it and it seems like yeah. everybody i know that has seen it loves it so um but but Sudeikis plays Hit Monkey, and uh, Olivia Munn is also in it, as well as uh, Ali Mackey and a bunch of other people. So like some pretty high end, great voice actors. Um, but the reason I really wanted to call uh, attention to this one specifically in a world of of, of never ending streaming options now is the art director for this cartoon is none other than longtime friend of the show, Kevin Mellon. Yep. So, uh, who some of you chaps may have remembered as uh, been one of the illustrators, uh, storyboard uh, artists on Archer, and uh, Dap uh, hosted a panel with him uh, about that, uh, along with some other him and Neil. Archer yep. folks. Yep, back uh, back at Heroes a few years ago. So, um, so yeah, so check that out. I haven't, I haven't seen, full school. I haven't seen it yet myself, uh, but uh, but I'm going to, be, especially because now that I found out that Kevin uh, was the art showrunner for it. Um, and then in terms of what you read, I want to shout out to a long overdue shout out uh, to a uh, longtime friend of the show and listener, Vishal Rashani. Um, he hit me up last year um, basically saying that uh, there was a creator who was doing a Kickstarter who he backed uh, and got multiple copies because he thought it would be a book that I enjoyed. And he actually sent me a copy of this Kickstarter. Um, I didn't back it and because it was already closed at the time, but he sent it to me back, uh, pledged it with me in mind. And it was called the bridge builders creed written and drawn by Sean Daly. Um, and he just thought it would be something up my alley. And he was very much right. Um, it's a 170 page OGN. Uh, and the, it's a story of a, of an older gentleman named Bryant Yodel Yodelson. And, uh, he is um, the last remaining bridge builder in their world. There were t- there were ten, ten people that that collectively used their intellect to build bridges. They were like you know engineers figuring out ways to build build bridges in whatever situation arose. But things have happened, and he's the last remaining bridge builder. But suddenly, um, these strange caterpillar like creatures show up. And they're able to organically build bridges very quickly, and seemingly these bridges are not only easily built quickly, but they're they're like incredibly durable and so forth, and so on. And so, of course, like all the people in the villages love love these creatures, and they're like, "Oh, this is great." But my but you know, but my man, my man is is a little bright. Bright is is a little sus of me. He's, he's side eyeing him, you know. Um, and 
you know, for one vantage, you're like, well, of course he's side-eyeing because they're putting him out of a job. Um, but, you know, but there's more to that. Like, like maybe there's a reason. Maybe he's right to have side-eyed them. So uh, it's got a lot of heart, though. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a terrific story. Um, very well executed. Um, I wasn't familiar with Sean's work prior to this, but he's actually done quite a bit of, of comics uh, stuff. He's, he did the better place at IDW. Well, Top Shelf. It was Top Shelf at the time. Uh, Samurai Grandpa. And uh, and then I guess he did a a long running uh, web series called Terraquil, which was his first Kickstarter. And and I I've subsequently realized that this book, um, this book uh, Bridge Builders Creed is a is a sequel to that. It it because the uh, the main character of this book, Bryant was was a character from Terraquil. Uh, I guess before the other Bridge Builders were gone. So. Um, so I'm curious to go back and read the collected version of Terraquil, um, but very much recommend this. Um, the only, the only, the only um, trick, sticky wicket here, and why I decided to keep it for in your travels is, I'm not exactly sure how you can get the book. Uh, I don't think it's on Comicsology. I went to Sean's website and I couldn't find links like easily to buy the book. So I have a feeling this is one of those things where like. He did the book for Kickstarter backers, and then he probably has a bunch of copies that he'll sell himself at cons. But if there's a way online to buy it, I haven't found it yet. So I did email him. Uh, I haven't heard back from him, but I, I will follow up in a subsequent episode if he does hit me back uh, with you know a link or, or some way that people can get the book because it's definitely worth getting. Um, it's you know it's, it's an all ages book. Uh, the cartooning is is um, it's it's evocative of like. Um, I think it's it. It looks a lot like. Um, I mean, he he is a self-professed Jack Davis fan. I'm not saying this is Jack, like Jack Davis level per se, but but it's of that style, um, you know. But leaning towards the cartoony side, um, but it's really well done, and and I enjoyed it. And I want to thank Vishal again for thinking of me and sending it to my way. And hopefully, there's a way that other people can check it out. That's awesome. Yep. Sounds really good. Yeah, and How I was that melon, that melon ran hit monkey. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, I like Kevin. He's a good cat. Yeah, he really is, man. And I was yeah. thinking when I was talking about uh, Brenda Vaughn, you like the book. It's pulpy. You love pulps. Why don't you just Ed <laughs> freaking admit it? Admit it, mother. Seriously, yeah, I'm gonna get him a T-shirt made. I love the pulps, and I'm gonna have uh, an illustration of the shadow peering out. From within the T-shirt, and he's gonna I be like, like the pulp, and on the back, I hate to admit it. I right. think the thing is, is yeah, you just hit on it. I I like, I don't mind pulpy, the pulpy vibe, but I think for whatever reason, the main, the most famous and persistent pulp characters have never drawn me in. Yeah, you're just anti. One of these like days, you'll be like Hornet, Phantom, you know, Doc Savage. Like none of those have ever really been a, a, a direct draw for me and and they're so synonymous with the idea of liking pulps once you hit 50 you'd be like fucking pulp i need it all because you know maybe, how you maybe, are maybe when i get my aarp card they'll send yeah, me like right you know how you are when you get into something you got to have all of it so you're going to yeah. read you're going to read a doc savage story you'd be like hmm tom strong like, Yo, i sons, get it let me tell you about this lone ranger chap yeah he's awesome and i chap <laughs> I love it how you were talking about Thought Bubble, and you're like, chap? <laughs> <laughs> you can't help it. You hear these dudes talking, and you're like, oh, cheerio. 
I like I like using the word fellow and chap now and now mm-hmm. and again. Yeah. All right, buddies. We hope you enjoyed this. We hope you come back for next episode. If you want more of this stuff, go to Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, and Instagram. We're all over the place there. And we have this corner of the Internet called Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Lots of stuff in the works there. Um, Our patrons are going to see Emerald City like never before. It's in the works. So uh, check <laughs> check that out if you would be so kind. In the meantime, do yourself and us a big favor and tell him what he wants to hear. And that is, say goodnight. <laughs> a single falling bottle cap. Sad trombone. <laughs> David. Good night. Jason, let's screw him up. Make a bunch of noise. It's impossible. Mm. <sighs> Is it so? Nice. You did it. Congratulations. He's got to stop watching me. I've got the world clock right here. I've no, got, he does it old school. LED. He's got a metronome. He just yeah. counts the ticks. Oh, yep. I love, yep. love the metronome. Me too. I, I need one. I don't have one in the house. Almost like white noise. The the, yeah. the the ticking of a metronome is very oh, soothing. Soothing. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Hundred percent. Yep. It's like paper. It's got to be a. It's got to be a sound effect. Oh, I'm sure you can get a digital metronome. Yes, yeah. I'm. I'm certain you can. Oh, I'm sure it's an app. Yeah. 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 I have a digital guitar tuner. It is the best thing ever. No really? shit. Yeah, you just put it next to the guitar, brr, 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 and it just it tells you it, it lights up green when you're in the zone for the yeah each string. It is amazing. It was free. Love it. All right, yeah. we're out of here, people. We love you so much. We'll be back maybe soon. Yeah. yeah, maybe sooner than you think. Maybe not. We'll see. Uh, but rest assured, when you're laying your head on your your pillow tonight, just know that we love you. Mm-hmm. Oh, truth means coconut. That's it for that one.